the storm surge can also push water up the river. So it could push storm surge up the Mayaka River, for instance, from the Gulf. And then the water coming downstream from the river has nowhere to go. So that can cause water to back up along the rivers and cause flooding. That along with a lot of rain that comes from these hurricanes can also cause an increase of water flooding into the rivers and into our water management systems, causing flooding as well. Public Works does a lot of work before the storm to make sure that our water levels are as low as possible so we can handle additional storm surge and flooding in our water systems. If you want additional information about that, we have a great video about our water control structures and you can visit the Public Works website. Okay, I'm calling this commission meeting to order. Today is Tuesday, November 28th, 2023. It is 6 p.m. and we are in the city chambers and I call this regular meeting to order. Roll call present are Commissioner McDowell, Commissioner Langdon, myself, Mayor White, Vice Mayor Stokes, and Commissioner Emmerich. There is a quorum present for this meeting. Also present are City Manager Fletcher, City Attorney Slayton, City Clerk Faust, Reporting Secretary Powell, and in the back we have Police Chief Garrison. Are you still here? Yes, thank you. And Deputy Police Chief Morales and Fire Chief Titus. And I believe in the audience we have Sarasota County Commissioner Chair Hutzinger. There you are. <laughs> All right. Um, and uh, Commissioner Kutzinger, would you lead us in the pledge? Sure. Join me in the pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay. All right, I'm looking uh, for approval of the agenda or if there's any items we'd like to move around. Um, Madam Mayor, if I may, um, I see Chair Kutzinger is on our agenda for a presentation. I'm requesting that we move it to just before public comment item number two. Okay. Mayor. Yes, Commissioner McDowell. Yes, um, there's a couple of changes I would also like to make. Um, I would like to move item number 6D, like dog, to be, that is the um, ordinance for the schedule to be moved to the end of the meeting. I'd also like to move resolution number 2023R78, which is the pilot um, discussion. Resolution. I'd like to move that to um, after item 6E. This way it keeps the utility stuff all together. I would also like to move the CMP um, discussion, um, which is item, <coughs> I didn't write that one, sorry. CMP is um, item G. Resolution number 2023R45 to be right before item 6F. 
And that way then staff isn't here to the end of our meeting for that one. Okay, so item G, you're moving to before F. Before F, yes. And then the pilot one, what number item was that? I'm sorry, I didn't get that. Resolution number R78. Right, where are you moving that to? To after 6E, which is the um, return on equity ordinance. Okay. And then the other one was moving item 6D, which is our meeting schedule, to be at the very, very end of the meeting. Right. Okay. So if we have to continue, we're... Oh, okay. All right. Do we have those changes? I'm looking for a motion to approve the agenda with those changes. If I may, Commissioner McDowell, yours is the heavy lift. I'm inclined to let you restate the motion. Can I include yours? Please. Okay. Uh, Mayor, I'll make a motion to approve the agenda. Moving item uh, 4A, mm -hmm. Chair Kutzinger's uh, presentation to after the approval of the agenda. Move ordinance number 202329, which is item 6D, to after... 6K, move for resolution number 2023, R78, to be heard after item 6E, and to move the CEMP resolution to before 6F, like Frank. All right, do we have that? Need a second? Mayor? I need a second, yeah. I'll second it. Okay. So we have a motion for moving the agenda items as stated by Commissioner McDowell, seconded by Vice Mayor Stokes. Are we kind of clear on that? Yes. Uh, City Clerk, can you repeat that, please? Uh, to approve the agenda, moving item 4A to after approval of the agenda, move uh, item 6D, which is ordinance 2023-29, to after item 6K, move resolution 2023 R78, which is item J, to be heard after item 6E, and to move uh, resolution 2023 R45 to right before item 6F. Perfect. And what was that, that the number of that item, that resolution? I'm sorry. Do we have? Uh, the 2023 R45 is item G. Okay. All right. And we still have a second by the vice mayor. Right? Okay. Are we are we okay? And yes, we have to vote. And that passes five to zero. All right. Thank you. All right, we're on to public comment. 
Mm. It will be the presentation there. Oh, we're doing that before public. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're right. That's it. All right. Yes, you're right. Oh, around. God. Okay. Great. Well, first of all, we had our board meeting today starting at 8 o'clock. I just came from there, so thank you for moving me ahead tonight. Um, that's great. And also, congratulations to uh, Mayor White and Vice Mayor Stokes. You guys are going to do a great job. I look forward to working together with you. Uh, let me start with some really great news. I'm here to just kind of give you an update on some things that have happened recently and some things we're doing. And it's great to be here. I appreciate the invitation. And um, just really thankful for the collaboration between the county and the city. It's been great. There's a lot of uh, ways we can see that happening. One, I, I said hi to Vinny on the way in. Uh, the, the collaboration between the Northport staff and the EDC is great. Good things happening there. A lot of exciting projects. A lot of work together to make uh, this the best place it can be and bringing some great businesses to this area. And you guys are working on providing some areas for those companies to land. And it's just a great collaboration. So very thankful for that. Also, something I did when I became chair, one of the first things I did was say, I'd like to meet uh, quarterly with myself and county manager. And then uh, also with the mayor of Northport and the city manager. We do that quarterly. We have lunch together. It's a great collaboration. I hope that continues with Mayor White. And also another thing we do, this is important because just work, you know, Sarasota County and, and the region, when we work together, it's better for everyone. And so we monthly, we have what's called a council of governments and all of the municipalities, all of the different organizations like the airport, the hospital, the school board, we send two of our representatives, usually the chair and the manager or the mayor and the city manager or the, the director of different departments. And we meet monthly and we have lunch together. And it's just, it's, it's a really not like an agenda driven thing. It's just being together to talk about things. We'll each talk about a couple items, but it's just, it provides great collaboration, a great spirit of working together. And a lot of good things have come out of that. So thank you for being part of that too. I did just get some really great news I want to share with you. Uh, you have a sheet in front of you. Um, it is the Resilient SRQ. That's the Community Development Block Grant for Disaster Relief Grant that you've heard about and we've talked about. And just to kind of refresh your memory, wasn't much over a year ago that we were all dealing with the aftermath of Hurricane Ian. And I think we we're all processing, you know, just how extensive that damage was and and digging out of that and just kind of figuring out our way forward together. In that process, county staff was very proactive and took the initiative in seeking and applying for a community development block grant. And in doing so, we did an assessment of unmet needs and our assessment showed seven, eight hundred million dollars of unmet needs. But again, in applying for the grant, we were like, okay, let's, um, let's swing for the fences. So the ask was for $149 million, which was a huge number for, for asking for a grant. We did our work. We put together our materials. We, uh, we, we presented it to, the, uh, to HUD and believe it or not, came back. They awarded us $201.5 million. And we didn't, we didn't argue with the extra money that they gave us. So we were glad to, glad to, uh, to do that. But it wasn't, it wasn't just giving, to it, giving it to us. We had to, as a part of that, what we had to do is put together an action plan. 
And so what we did is we went out to the community. We had meetings throughout the community. We opened up a website. We solicited responses. I think we got a thousand replies to uh, emails from people about ideas they had for the grant. Many of you participated in the public meeting we had at uh, RLA. Uh, RL Anderson and, uh, and the city uh, provided a lot of really good ideas about where we could best put some of this money to work. And so we put that action plan together. We submitted it to HUD and HUD had 60 days to return their answer to us as whether or not they were going to approve our plan, approve our, our grant and approve the plan associated with that. And I'm happy to tell you that as of last Wednesday, I received word from HUD that they have approved our grant as applied for without revision. This is a direct allocation to Sarasota County, which in itself is a terrific thing because very few, only four counties have ever received direct allocation. So they are in doing that, they're expressing their confidence in our ability to do this. And uh, we're very proud of that. So uh, in front of you, you have the proposed allocations that were submitted to HUD. I'll just read them out. We had in housing, again, this is a housing and urban development grant. So they like to see about 70% of it going to housing, but we want a little more to go to infrastructure. So we took a little bit of a chance, but we said, let's take 100 million of it, which is about 54% of it for housing, 70 million of it for public facilities and infrastructure, which includes mitigation. And then we also allocated some money for economic development because a lot of people who uh, lost their jobs in that time frame and, and needed to be retrained and be able to do other jobs that are necessary, especially as a part of all the construction and other industry we're going to need to continue to come out of Ian. A couple of things I want to highlight. We've taken a lead in affordable housing in Sarasota County, and we've done a lot of things that are kind of unique and creative. But one of my asks at that time for some of this money was to put $40 million toward affordable housing. That's a huge number. Sarasota County put $25 million of our community, of our ARPA funds, $25 million to affordable housing. And Northport has received some of that funding in an affordable housing project that you're working on now. So that was moved forward. And also one of my initiatives uh, was, I'd love to see South River Road. We're now in the process of improving North River Road from 41 out to I-75. And as you know, we're six-laning it from 41 to Center Road, and then four-laning it from Center Road out to I-75. At that time, my question was, well, if we're going to four-lane it from Center out to I-75, I sort of understand that because not a lot of commercial development there right now. But in the future, we're going to want six lanes. So let's design this so that we can put those extra two lanes without ever having to you know, make it plan ahead of time so you don't have to pull up sidewalks or move power poles when you put those other lanes in. Well, as it turns out, we actually had some savings on the first section, and it looks like, and I'm very excited to say, it looks like we're going to be able to do those extra two lanes now while we're building the six lanes out to Center Road. So I'm very hopeful. We got real good word on that, and it looks like it's going to go forward. So we're going to get six lanes all the way from 41 out to I-75, going to be a great gateway to this area and to South County. Pretty proud of that. But one of the things I've always wanted, in fact, I told the uh, contractor, look, you're already here. Why don't you just keep going south and finish <laughs> South River Road as well? So we have acquired all of the right-of-way for that improvement from 41 all the way down to Englewood, including the storm stormwater needs. That's a very positive thing. 
but also as a part of this allocation, since we saw what happened, that's an emergency evacuation route. Very, very much needed for all of South County. And so, uh, and it was flooded during Ian as well. A lot of people couldn't get out for several days. So I said, let's, let's allocate $25 million of this to South River Road, which we did. Now working with private-public partnership, we're hopefully going to move this forward very quickly. Uh, we have great potential to get that done a lot sooner than we ever would have with this allocation. So I'm very, very happy to say that those two things are a part of this development block grant. So what we're going to be doing now, you'll hear a lot more about this. We're going to be moving forward. We, we allocated this money in buckets. Now what we've got to work on together is where do we best do these projects that are most important to use this money as most effectively as we can and hopefully leverage it with other grant dollars. In our affordable housing area, I'd like to see private investors. I'd like to see other municipalities. I'd like to see others come on board. So we take this $40 million and we make it extend way beyond that. And I think we can do that working together for affordable housing, which is such a huge need in our community. So I'm very excited to share that with you. We got that approval and you'll see a lot more about that coming forward. Um, for those legacy trail enthusiasts, we got word today, uh, and we talk about the connection now all the way from Sarasota down to Northport. One of the things we want to do, and uh, I'm proud to serve on the MPO. I'm actually chair of the Sarasota Manatee uh, Metropolitan Planning Organization, which deals with transportation issues and trail issues. Um, one of the things, one of the words we got today is that the pedestrian bridges over B Ridge and Clark Road started construction today. That's going to be a great thing. And then we also got word that we've received the funding to put the pedestrian bridges over Beneva and also Bahia Vista. So those pedestrian bridges are going to save lives. Cost, you know, you can get on, be able to get here on, uh, we, we, we laugh about having breakfast in Northport, lunch in Venice, and dinner in Sarasota. So for those enthusiasts who'd like to get on a bike uh, or travel that, um, that's going to be a, a great uh, safety feature for riding the trail. Um, Minnesota Key Road is open. For those of you who go to Middle Beach or have used Minnesota Key Road, Hurricane Idalia came along, and Hurricane Ian didn't do any damage at all to Minnesota Key Road. Idalia brushed us by, but it took out 1,500 feet of Minnesota Key Road. Well, we got that improved very quickly. We're very fortunate. Um, the contractors that were working on River Road were able to mobilize and get down there, and we opened up that road last week. It was a very quick repair, and I'm glad to say that's open for anybody that needs that open. And then I'll just mention one other thing. Um, as I mentioned, we've, we've really worked together on a lot of projects, and recently we had the joint meeting between the two, uh, between Northport and Sarasota County. One of the things that came out of that was... Um, a request to uh, have a mosquito task force kind of reassembled, which we have done. We reassembled the task force. Uh, that's together now. The folks that served on it, the subject matter experts who were originally involved in the 2019 task force assessment uh, have agreed to serve again, and they're best suited to because they're the ones who made the recommendations. They're subject matter experts. So they have all agreed, and that's in place. And you'll be getting an update on that shortly as we put together the schedule for that. And I have requested as a part of that schedule that many or several of the meetings will be here in South County as well to make it easy for everybody to participate. 
So those are a few things that I wanted to share with you. Good news about good things happening across the county. And uh, thank you for letting me join you uh, tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank great, you, Chair. Great news on all accounts there. Commissioner McDowell? That's all right. Thank you, Commissioner Kutzinger. Okay. All right. Now we move on to public comment. City Clerk, do we have any online public comments? Yes, just Sorry, what? Not now. Online public comment? Jasmine Bowman. I oppose the proposals for high-density residential and industrial zoning of Toledo Blade 320. This zoning is not compatible with the neighboring agricultural estates and wetlands and should be rejected. In person, I have Carolyn Reese, followed by Valdi Allander. My name is Lynn Reese and I live on Barcelona and Baker Street. This is about the activity center number six designation in the Shire. We are asking you to reconsider the zoning change for Barcelona and its cross streets, Baker and Bibb Court, as you recently have already done for the Bannock Circle area. We are directly across Price from there and the circle formed by Bannock and Barcelona is a favorite for all of us for biking, walking, and running. Any business traffic introduced into this environment would be extremely dangerous for all of us. Lots of baby carriages and small dogs. We are 30 homes, 23 of which are occupied and therefore paying taxes now. 18 of them fronting or otherwise border on Baker. Baker is 20 feet wide and not at all sufficient for heavy business traffic. It can't sustain the weight of an 18-wheeler. The radius of the turning necessary off price is completely inadequate for vehicles of that size also. At the very least, a change from activity center to mixed use would allow a single home to be rebuilt as a single home. Should it burn down as mine has, instead of being required to be converted to commercial or multifamily, or you could just add mixed residential or just residential in the definition of what activity center is designed to provide for and leave these streets in that designation. We currently have 23 signatures on our petition about this and more are coming. We'll be seeking an appointment with each one of you in the near future. Thank you for your time. Oh, good evening. I am Bali Ollander. I come here in peace and I am not a criminal or in the commission of crime. I have a dignity. Please respect my dignity. Wait. I am instructing you to remove the cap of my back and let him have sit here. 
Thank you. Sit here. I'm not a criminal. You have no concern to stand behind me. Number one, by rights vested in, char in, in charter and Florida Constitution, I instruct you all to keep size of the government force to 0.9% of the total city population instead of current 1% plus. For example, if population is 100,000, 0.9%, city force would be only 900. If you keep at 1% as now, there would be 1,000. Number two, why city buildings have 40 years longevity amortization, and after that, they water zero. And people's houses rising in the value even if they're 50 years old. Um, Florida Constitution allows only 3% uh, rising of value annually. But I see these things is very abused. Why this is double standard? In other words, why the old houses would be uh, possess rising in value and uh, what city has doesn't. Number three, I do not consent to pile of metal junk I must go through when I come in in here. And city employees are exempted from it. Again, double standard, it is discrimination. Number four, all of you love my money and treating me like subhuman, sub-man. I am good only to be fleeced and not good to talk or answer any question from you. Number five, does the cops give you comfort to steal money from me? Does the cops assist you in stealing? Why is so many of you here? Okay, I think the manager hired another 20 of them. You did no one consent to your budget 2023-2024. Why did you vote it anyway? And I wish, I said it once before, move this podium to the middle and you can hire 20 cops behind you. Sir, your, your time is up. Thank you. Kate Shakira. Good evening, Commissioners. Kate uh, Northport. I haven't seen you all for a while, but um, good evening. I'm here to address actually a few things, but I don't think I have enough time. What I do want to address is number one, the false uh, sense of security that was uh, obtained via blanket purchase. And so far, cost city taxpayers money $171,290.60 as of September 30th. And I'm talking about the metal detector right in front of the doors. Um, I just walked through. It was my first time actually walking through. I don't know how long you had it. I don't know how long it's been there. But I just walked through. And let me tell you, you see this first? I, me personally, I walked through metal detector, but my purse was placed on the side. Nobody even bothered to check what was inside, if I'm carrying or not. All they care about was 
if I carry on me. So that's number one. Also, my understanding is that one, you have one security patrolling the city hall uh, from 7.30 a.m. and he leaves and the other person comes in at 3 o'clock and up until 10 o'clock at night. I would like to understand why are we paying, at least as of September 30th, city paid $171,000 for this service. When we have our finest officers sitting right here, quite a few of them. So I would like to understand what kind of security it gives all of you or people who are sitting here when I could just walk in with my purse without being checked, what's inside, if I'm carrying or not, and people just sit in there. Again, we have many officers here. Another thing I want to address, only have a minute, but the public record payment portal processing, whatever you want to call it. It's been a disaster since June trying to obtain any records, public records, because number one, it takes time to process, but also the only options we have to pay for the records or for the invoice is via in-person or via mail and a payment via check, I don't know, which caused significant delay. So we have a .qa, right? We have Northport PD providing, um, they can accept payments by phone. We have water bill we can pay. Why not utilize the phone services to try to process those payments so people can obtain their public record they've been waiting on? So if that could be taken care of anytime soon, would be greatly appreciated, but public record has been a disaster, including answering the phone calls, try to get in touch with anyone in the public record. I, I mean, it took me over a week trying to get someone until I personally show up because nobody answering the phone calls. Thank you. That's it. Okay. Thank you. All right, moving on to item three, announcements. City Clerk, would you read the announcements? The current vacancies for the following boards and committees include the Art Advisory Board, Auditor Selection Committee, Charter Review Advisory Board, Citizen Tax Oversight Committee, Environmental Advisory Board, Parks and Recreation Advisory Board, Planning and Zoning Advisory Board, Veterans Park Advisory Committee, and Zoning Board of Appeals. Sarasota County Advisory Council vacancies include one resident of Northport to serve on the Citizens Advisory Committee and one resident of Northport to serve on the Citizens Oversight Committee for School Facility Planning. If anyone would like more information, please see the City Clerk's Office. Thank you. Thank you. All right, moving on to the consent agenda. City Manager, have any items been polled? Yes, Madam Mayor, three items. Item 5B which is 23-1478. Item 5C, which is 23-1527. And item 5M, 23-1655. Okay. <laughs> City Clerk, do we have public comment now? Yes, ma'am. But we do not have any. Okay. All right. Um, so I'm requesting a motion. Make for, a motion, Mayor. Go right ahead. I'll make a motion to approve the consent agenda as presented, pulling items B as in boys, C as in cat, M as in Mary for discussion. 
All right, we have a motion on the table pulling items B, C, and M. Second. Made, the motion was made by Commissioner McDowell, I'm sorry, and Vice Mayor Stokes seconded that. So no other discussion, let's vote. All right, and that's five to zero. And city manager, who pulled those items? Commissioner McDowell. Okay. So, Commissioner McDowell, you want to start with B? Um, yes, Mayor. It's, I, I got my answers um, to the questions that I submitted regarding how many body cameras, drones, and in-car cameras we have. And nothing like seeing those numbers to actually go, holy cow. That's a lot of cameras and holy cow, that's a lot of footage that has to be reviewed and redacted for public records. Um, and I, I just wanted to put it out there. I know that this past fiscal year we approved a public records tech, but given the fact that we have over 170, I'm sorry, 275 digital recording devices, that's a lot of recordings, and I'm, I'm wondering if, I know the staff is amazing, but how they're keeping up, I really hope is going to be looked at so they don't fall behind. Um, I, I never really realized how many cameras and drones and in cars and stuff like that until I saw those daunting numbers. So I just wanted to put that out, plant the seed, and see, um, and, and see if a conversation needs to be had with city manager and his staff in that department. That's all I had for that, Mayor. Okay. I can make a motion. Yep. Go right ahead. I'll make a motion to approve the Axon Master Services and Purchasing Agreements um, quoted in the um, backup materials as presented. Second. All right, we have a motion. For item B, 231478, regarding the Axe and Master Services and Purchasing Agreement made by Commissioner McDowell and seconded by Commissioner Langdon. Any other discussion? If not, let's vote. And that passes 5 to 0. Moving on to item C, 23 1527, that was pulled. City Manager, who pulled this? Commissioner McDowell. Okay, Commissioner McDowell, the floor is yours. Thank you very much. Um, so um, um, this is about the, the grant, I'm sorry, the state appropriations uh, request for Price Boulevard. And when I was reviewing the documents, I noticed, I noticed a discrepancy in the amount of the bond. And the bond was approved by the voters for $80 million but the application um, said 52 million. I'm grateful that staff is going to fix that, uh, that error, um, but it also appears on the house application as 52 million. So not only does it need to be fixed on the state, but also the house. Reviewing it also a little bit closer on the Senate um, Bill, I'm sorry, the Senate appropriations on question number 14D, like dog. It mentions who the targeted population is going to be served by the Price Boulevard widening project. 
but it doesn't mention Charlotte County. And I'm hoping we can um, get a consensus to include Charlotte County or maybe get a better understanding on why Charlotte County was not included. I know state appropriations really like to make sure it's done globally instead of just our city. So I think it might have a better chance of being approved. Um, so I just wanted to kind of put that out there and see if staff would be amenable to adding Charlotte County by name as opposed to other users. <laughs> and that's on both applications, the Senate and the House. I think they're conversing back there. For the record, Valerie Melangowski Grant, Division Manager. Um, so we can add Charlotte County if Commission feels that. You know, the way we kind of looked at it is when we widen Price Boulevard closer to Charlotte County line, that's when that population comes into play a little bit more. Um, so it's not that we purposefully left them out, you know, but if Commission, we can still amend these. Um, applications. So um, if commission, if it's the will of the commission to add Charlotte County to it, we can definitely do that. Perfect. Um, one of the reasons why I brought that up was because when 75 is shut down and they have to get rerouted through our city, Charlotte County residents will be using this portion of Price Boulevard um, during those, those times and also for evacuations. So um, maybe we can get a consensus if there's no further discussion before I move on to my next question to include Charlotte County. I do have Commissioner Emmerich. I have other questions though, Mayor. I just don't want to get lost in the shuffle. Okay. You, you want to address this one first? This one, I'm wondering if we could uh, on Charlotte County. Do you want to address To it? add Charlotte County to both the House and the Senate appropriations application. All right, but I think... It is a comment on this yeah. subject. Okay. I, I, that's fine. Yeah, I got I got no issues with adding Charlotte County because like Ms. Malinowski had stated down in Charlotte County in the Rain Tree Orlando area, it is used by Charlotte County, you know, coming and going and cutting across our town and in emergency situations. So to add it would be beneficial. So I got no issues with that. Vice Mayor, All right. you're okay? Yep. Commissioner Emmerich. Okay. Said it all. All right. I'm a yes. 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 I'm a yes. Yes. Thank you very much. Okay, so my next one has to do with the house application. If you look at question number 18, somehow, and it could be just the transfer of technology <coughs> to paper, the first bullet is not filled in. Um, it says, will the requested funds be used directly for services to citizens? And it's yes or no, it's not filled in. So yeah. online. It's right. Um, it, so those are PDF forms mm -hmm. and they do want yeah. the things. Yes, I, they I do. Don't know that's, that's why I wanted to just make sure that yeah. it was checked yes. in your end. Yes, that's we all. actually had our lobbyists help clean up the application a little bit because on our end, um, we had like, we would so click yes to something and then text would disappear somewhere else. So is the um, answer yes or no on that one? Um, it's, it should. It's not a direct benefit. 
So we're not taking the money and giving it to the citizens. Um, It's a region, you know, it's more of a regional or it's not a benefit directly to each individual citizen. Thank you very much. All right, so if you move on to question number C, again, we just got the okay for Charlotte County, so I can scratch that one. Moving on to D, it says, how many in the targeted population are expected to be served? And it says greater than 800. That's the top amount that you can choose. Oh. <laughs> so it gives, that's has a maximum? little drop down. Oh, it's wow. the maximum amount. That, so once again, these are pre-populated forms. Okay. You know, so um, it's a question. lot more than that because of the, especially with the hurricane shelter. I thought maybe it might have been a typo. That's why yeah, I wanted no, to bring it up. So thank you for it's that. It's pre-populated. <laughs> yeah, no problem. That's yeah. all the questions I have, Mayor, on that. That was item C, correct? Yeah. Do you want to make a motion? Um, just yeah. if I may follow up one more time. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to um, amend this application. Mm-hmm. Are you going to have to bring it back to us? Um, I or... think you can approve it with the changes. Okay. As mentioned. Thank you for that. Is that okay with everybody? Okay. I'll make a motion. I'll make a motion to approve the uh, Florida Legislature um, appropriation requests for the House and Senate for the Price Boulevard um, widening project with the changes made by consensus. All right, we have a motion made by Commissioner McDowell. Are we okay? And fixing that 52 million to 80 million that we didn't get consensus for but staff agreed in a Q&A that they were going to make that change. Okay. Yes. Okay. So a motion made by Commissioner McDowell for item C on the consent agenda for the application to the Florida Legislature for the Price Boulevard Mobility Project with the changes as we discussed and seconded by Vice Mayor. Thank you. Anything else? Okay. Close enough. Thank you. Let's vote. And that passes five to zero. And city manager who pulled item M23-1655. Commissioner McDowell. Okay. All right. So bear with me a moment. Try to get a little organized here. So this next one has to do with the, oh, can I ask a favor? Can we please have a continued discussion about Price Boulevard? I forgot to mention one very important thing about Price Boulevard that is kind of related, not necessarily to the grant and the appropriations, but it is related to the funding for Price Boulevard. And I have been waiting for an opportunity to share this. Um, And I'm just wondering if we could reopen it because it might become time sensitive depending on where we are with the um, design and permitting. Uh, I'll create an agenda item. Thank you. Thank you. I wish I didn't forget about that. All right. 
So the master plan for activity center three is the item that I had pulled also because there seems to be a little bit of a discrepancy in the area versus the scope of the project. Um, the, the area that we received a map on is quite large and I don't know who I can, who would be best to answer these questions because activity center three is kind of compact, but this new study area is far greater than what was done in the scope. And I'd also like to find out about um, mixed use too. So who, who would be best suited to try and answer these questions with master plan for activity center three? Okay, I see Ms. Barnes coming back. Hello, Ms. Barnes. Hello, Lori right. Barnes, Assistant Director of Development Services. Um, Madam, would you mind repeating yeah, the question? I'll, I'll get to the specifics on it. Um, so the project scope showed that the, the contractor bid or knew that we were going to be doing 177 acres of the project area. However, the map that was provided um, yesterday, or maybe it was even today, um, shows a dark and light blue area. And it's saying that that whole area is now the study area. But the four quadrants of Activity Center 3 equals about 125 acres. And when you look at the entire map area, that is far more than 177. Yes, ma'am. So are we going to have to amend that work assignment or what, what happens now? Okay, so <laughs> when, when the request for letters of interest went out to the applicants um, and we, we incorporated, <clears throat> excuse me, we incorporated the scope and the study area map that we had provided to Florida Commerce regarding the Community Planning Technical Assistance Grant, which is the map that was provided yesterday. So the respondents to the RLI had seen our preliminary scope and the study area when responding to the RLI. <clears throat> Pardon me. As a follow-up, uh, when we received the responses, we did communicate with Frankenstein-Beck Group um, we did communicate with them the additional information and the more refined scope that was developed working with Florida Commerce as we're moving forward with the um, grant contract um, to help assist with the master plan. Now, since we are um, anticipating a final deliverable due date of May 31st through the state, we want to get started with the work assignment um, and get the processing of the purchase order prepared and the kickoff meeting with the consultant started while we're awaiting the finalization of the grant award documents from the state. Um, this project is um, fully budgeted. Um, it's a blessing that we're, we've been selected for the grant to help prepare 
our master plan and um, address all of the potential issues in that quadrant of the city. The reason the study area is as large it is, as it is is because of the flooding that we experienced in Hurricane Ian. We want to make sure that we're addressing all of the potential improvements to stormwater infrastructure in that quadrant through this master plan process and then evaluating the um, possibilities of expansion of the activity center the pros and the cons and what amendments might need to be made to our governing documents in order to expand that activity center and all of that will be part of the recommendations brought forward in the master plan for the commission okay thank you very much that answered a lot of the questions that i had written down um is is this light blue and dark blue area going to possibly be the new activity center three entire area or are we still going to have activity center three be just those four quadrants and a little bit up towards the creek on the west side currently um, the proposed zoning map does show an expansion of activity center three but not to the extent shown on that study area map um, the final dispossession and size and configuration of activity center three will be refined as we work through this master plan process and um, we should have some preliminary recommendations to incorporate in the zoning map um, when the ULDC rewrite and rezones brought before to the commission. Right. Um, and just one, uh, two other questions. Um, if we are looking to refine the scope area and activity center three in the study area, I'm curious why are we not including the entire MX2 area? It kind of stops, it doesn't go all the way to the creek. And I'm wondering why not just include it all the way to the creek because that area flooded also. Um, the area to the creek isn't privately owned property. So- I'm sorry, it is or is not? It is not, it is not. It's, it's part of the um, creek right of way as it were. But the proposed zoning map goes all the way down to a drainage canal that is like three blocks south of Lady Slipper. Mm -hmm. And the proposed blue map mm -hmm. goes only to Lady Slipper. And I'm wondering why not go a little bit further south to that drainage area? And then there are some properties that are privately owned also along the creek. Right, right. and that may very well be. Um, the study area was developed based on the magnitude of flooding, um, was one of the primary considerations when we developed the study area. And they were not as, the study area was developed some time ago and the zoning map has been being refined as time has gone by with the ULDC rewrite. Okay. Um, I would consider that a, pretty insignificant change to the study area boundary as mapped. Um, and we can certainly, if our consultant feels that uh, stormwater improvements incorporating that area should be part of their recommendation, that can be incorporated in the master plan. Fantastic, okay. Final question has to do with stakeholders. I sent a question in asking who the stakeholders were and the response I got was the property owners. We're doing a master plan. 
And it, this is a very intensive plan, especially covering such a large area. I'm curious, why would we not have the chamber or CDAB or even environmental groups because this area is so environmentally sensitive? Um, maybe even the EDC and of course our citizens be part of this and have charrettes and, and really get a good feel of what we want for this activity center. Why would we only focus on the property owners? Um, the primary reason is, well, there's two reasons. One, we have a budget that will provide for a high level, high level master plan conceptual product. First reason. Second reason is we have until May 31st to provide final deliverables to the state to pursue a detailed master plan with significant community and, and community organization input and charrettes. We will never make the timeline under the grant program. So when would we get the detailed charrettes and input from the chamber and all the other groups that I mentioned? When would we get their input? I'm not sure what kind of input you're you're suggesting. So the the input that's the the scope of the master plan is to look at the area, to identify stormwater improvements, to evaluate the economic benefit of incorporating a larger area into the activity center. The details of what should be incorporated in the activity center and you know those finer details can be refined in a follow-up plan perhaps or as part of the Unified Land Development Code rewrite. Um, I, I'm not sure that I'm addressing the question that you're, that you're asking, but we're talking about a high-level master plan. Not we're going to put this use here. We're not mapping out a site plan layout for the whole activity center quadrant. We're looking at, does it make sense to expand the activity center? Does it make economic sense? What types of, what, you know, what types of uses are going to be compatible with the hospital, which we know is going to that quadrant? What stormwater improvements are going to address the flooding issues? Not down to the precise details of what, what uses do we want on what property in this entire <coughs> study area? What site design criteria do we want to be followed? That is not the type of master plan that, um, that the budget that we have can support, nor the timeline. Yeah, the, the economic viability and stormwater and all that kind of stuff is, is important, not just to those property owners, but to the entire city. And, and that's why I really wanted to get, uh, I'm not looking, I'm not requesting anything like what use is going where. Of course, that's all ULDC kind of stuff, but to plan this area, large area, to make sure it's economically viable and beneficial for everybody um, is it requires input from everybody. So thank you for your answer. I appreciate that. I'm finished, Mayor. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And I'm looking for a motion for this item. I'll make a motion, thank Mayor, you. if you'll allow. Yep. 
Um, I make a motion that we approve work assignment 2023-03PZ with Pritchett Steinbeck Group Inc. for the Activity Center 3 master plan amount not to exceed 200,000. Second. All right, thank you. We have a motion made by Commissioner Langdon to approve work assignment 2023-03PZ with Pritchett Steinbeck Group Inc. for the Activity Center 3, the Gateway Master Plan amount not to exceed $200,000. And that was seconded by the Vice Mayor. Let's vote. May I speak to the motion, please? Yes, I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, I, I, will, I will support this motion because we do have to do a master plan. But I am deeply concerned that we aren't getting input from a lot of stakeholders, just the property owners. And I really hope that in the future, there will be a further discussion that involves other people and other entities. Thank you. Try to push the button. All right, and that item passes five to zero. Moving on to public hearings and uh, which our first is a petition, and I just would like to, um, in my new role as, as mayor, go over our uh, rules of, of decorum and um, for, for public comment, and just to point out that we do have a city commission policy on, on um, public comments. This was actually passed back in 2020 and amended in 2023. Um, so I, I really would like to just to read that so that because I think in the past people might have thought that was coming from individual members on the board here, but this is what it says. Um, meeting attendees must refrain from obscene, profane, or disorderly conduct, including hand clapping, yelling, and similar demonstrations, all of which disturbs the peace and good order of the meeting. And I know in the past it's been brought out that uh, we, these meetings are recorded and when people are, are yelling or, or making noises, people who are listening to the tape can't hear what was said. And also having been a person that was on, let's say, the minority side of an issue, when people are very boisterous for the other side, I know I felt intimidated then to get up to the podium and say something that was in opposition to what everybody else was, was saying. And that's another reason why um, I, I believe this was put in here to, so that everyone has that opportunity to speak freely without being fear, fearful of retaliation or retribution. Um, and I think it's been suggested before, thumbs up or thumbs down, because people will see your support or not support without it interfering with the decorum of the meeting. So. I just wanted to bring that up before we get into our public hearings. And our first one is uh, petition CCPLF 23-097. This is quasi-judicial. Um, City Clerk, can you read the petition by title and swear in those wishing to provide testimony? PLF. 23-097, consideration of petition number PLF-23-097, Eagle Bend Final Plat. Can everyone wishing to provide testimony please stand and raise your right hand. 
You swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to provide is true and accurate to the best of your knowledge, so help you God. Thank you. All right, I'm gonna call on my fellow commissioners for any ex parte communications. Commissioner McDowell? None. Commissioner Langdon? Uh, yes, I did drive by the property to get a feel for where the property was in relation to the surrounding neighborhoods and areas. All right, and I just had some basic questions during my agenda briefing just to get myself acclimated to where, again, where this was and what project uh, this, this involved. Vice Mayor? Nothing. Commissioner Emmerich? No, ma'am. Okay. City Clerk? Uh, aggrieved parties? There are none. There are none. Okay. And first, we're going to start with the presentation by the applicant. You have applicant? No applicant. Okay. <laughs> All right. Then we move to staff. All right. You have 20 minutes. Good afternoon, Carl Benj, Planning and Zoning Division. I have been sworn. <clears throat> Today, we're talking about Eagle Bend. This is petition number PLF 23097. Bit of an overview, the applicant is Trenton Steinbeck, project manager, the property owner is Fellowship Church Incorporated, formerly South Biscayne Church. The request is to plat 80 paired villa unit lots and their associated roadways, stormwater and utility tracks and easements. Parcel fronts along Hoffman Street and Sydney Avenue. The final plat was reviewed to ensure it was consistent with the approved subdivision and infrastructure plans. The final plat includes 80 paired villa unit lots and their associated roadways, stormwater, and utility tracks and easements, with a total of plus or minus 17.42 acres impacted. Across the bottom, you see the proposed plat, and on the top is what the current area looks like now. So compliance with the Florida statutes and ULDC uh, chapter 37 subdivision regulations, the final plat was reviewed and approved by the contracted city surveyor for conformance with the Florida statute, chapter 177, part one. And the final plat was reviewed for conformance with the approved Eagle Bend subdivision, SCP 22185, and infrastructure plans, INF 22184. So staff recommendations, the planning and zoning division recommends approval of petition number PLF 23097, Eagle Bend. And we're happy to answer any questions if you have them. All right, thank you. Um, at this time, I would ask if there were anything, a presentation by the aggrieved parties, but we have no aggrieved parties. So we'll move on to rebuttal. Applicant is not here to rebut. So staff. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we have nothing, thank you. And there's again, no aggrieved parties. Um, public comment, city clerk. There is none, no. Commissioner, questions? We're good? Okay. Closing arguments. Uh, we don't have an aggrieved party. Staff, any closing arguments? We have nothing, thank you. <laughs> Applicant is not here. So I'm going to close this portion of the public hearing and I request a motion. I'll make it. I move to approve the Eagle Bend final plat petition number PLF 23097 and find that based on the competent and substantial evidence, plat is consistent with Florida statute section 177.081, Unified Land Development Code, and the Northport Comprehensive Plan. Second. 
All right, we have a motion made by the vice mayor to approve the Eagle Bend final plat petition number PLF 23097 and find that based on the competent and substantial evidence, the plat is consistent with the Florida statute section 177.081, the Unified Land Development Code and the Northport Comprehensive Plan. And that was seconded by Commissioner Langdon. Any other questions? If not, let's vote. And that passes five to zero. <clears throat> All right, you guys are moving too fast for me now. <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying. Doing great there. Um, all right, we're moving on to item B on the agenda. And, and I'm calling on my fellow commissioners if I don't have these in order from the changes that were made. I'm, I made a notation, but I don't trust myself. Um, ordinance second reading for ordinance number 2023-25. This is again quasi-judicial. Uh, City Clerk, could you read this ordinance by title only and swear in those wishing to provide testimony? Ordinance number 2023-25, an ordinance of the City of Northport, Florida, amending the future land use from agricultural estates to industrial for approximately 55.02 acre area and to high density residential for approximately 262.34 acre area, generally, lo generally located north of Interstate 75 and east of Toledo Blade Boulevard, amending the City of Northport Comprehensive Plan Chapter 2, Future Land Use Map 2-7, providing for findings, providing for adoption, providing for a transmittal of documents, providing for conflicts, providing for severability, and providing an effective date. Can everyone wishing to provide testimony please stand and raise your right hand. Do you swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to provide is true and accurate to the best of your knowledge to help you guide? Thank you. All right, moving on for disclosures. Any ex parte communications from my fellow commissioners? Commissioner McDowell? Yes, Mayor. Um, the ex parte that I already disclosed from first reading, um, I had sent an email to staff regarding the state responses. Um, I provided a copy of what I sent and received uh, to the city clerk as ex parte. Um, I did have a conversation with the city clerk regarding one of the responses that staff had and requesting city clerk to do something. Um, there was also an email that was received um, regarding PZAB recommendations and their vote. And then also there's a bunch of documents that I received here at the dais, but I have not had a chance to review them. All right, thank you. Commissioner Langdon. None for me. And other than um, emails that all of us, I believe, have received and some phone calls with, with um, residents, uh, I have nothing else. Vice Mayor? Uh, yes, received a number of emails from citizens. Uh, also met with uh, one of the aggrieved parties um, to discuss this issue in general. Uh, I think other than that, that's it. Okay. Commissioner Emmerich? Yeah, just basic emails and the materials that we got today that I have just basically gone through real quick. That's it. All right. Thank you. All right. Excuse me, Mayor. Um, yes. Commissioner Stokes, for your ex parte disclosure, we need more information about who you met with 
what the, the date was and what the subject matter was. Uh, we ha I think we have more than one aggrieved party on this item. Yeah, Ms. Carolyn Price, uh, yesterday afternoon. And what was the subject of your discussion? Uh, general discussions regarding the rezoning and this development project, proposed development project. Are we good? Okay, City Clerk, do we have aggrieved parties? Yes, we do. We have three, Craig Beal, Pamela Tokars on behalf of Martin Moore and Carolyn Price. All right, thank you. All right, moving on to presentations. First, we will hear from the applicant. You have 20 minutes. City Clerk, are we going to get a timer on here? Okay, thank you. Uh, good evening, uh, commissioners and uh, Madam Mayor, and uh, congratulations. And uh, commissioners, for the record, Jeffrey Boone of the Boone Law Firm, uh, representing the, ap the applicant, uh, and I have been sworn. A um, couple of housekeeping matters right up front. First of all, we did not receive copies of whatever you all received today. So if there's a way, uh, Madam Clerk, if we could get some copies of those so we could review them here during the meeting in case there's something that we'd want to respond to. Um, and then secondly, as far as the aggrieved parties go, um, uh, one of the aggrieved parties, Mr. Beal, uh, is an aggrieved party for the rezoning but not the comp plan amendment, according to the information that we received. Anyway, that's housekeeping matters to get out of the way. Um, uh, with, uh, with me tonight is Mr. Cherry Brandon, who's a representative uh, of the property owner and developer. Uh, Mr. Ken Galinder, who is the planner. Expert planner, uh, Kevin Wynn is our expert engineer. Uh, Stephen Lung is our expert transportation consultant. And Jackson Boone uh, is a partner uh, with me at the Boone Law Firm. This is the same group that we had with you, uh, had before you at first reading, with the exception of Mr. Wynn is substituting in for uh, uh, Mr. Tim Rohn, who, who is ill and not able to, to be here tonight. Um, we really aren't here to make a presentation. As you know, generally there are not presentations on second reading, just want to Recap where we are. We had approval on first reading uh, of the comprehensive plan amendment. It went to Tallahassee. Uh, no issues were identified that caused any problem uh, for us going forward tonight. So essentially, nothing's changed, uh, and we're here uh, on for second and final uh, reading approval. Um, uh, we have, uh, uh, just to let you know, we have started the development agreement process. Um, just initially got started on that. Uh, which we would uh, can, will continue through. Uh, but uh, at this point, as far as a presentation goes, our presentation was made at the last meeting. It's in the record. Uh, all of you all were present and heard it. And so uh, we'll just, I'll just stop here. And obviously now or at any other time, if anybody has any questions, would we or our team here uh, would be happy to answer. Thank, thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Um, staff. Good evening, Mayor, Vice Mayor, Commission. Uh, my name is James White, the law firm of Weiss Rota Healthman, uh, representing staff on this matter and the corresponding rezoning 
For the record, I have been sworn. Uh, just briefly as a follow-up, uh, housekeeping before we get started. I would like the full agenda, uh, the record of the, of the public hearing uh, from the last first hearing entered into the record for this public hearing be carried over. In addition, the full agenda package that you have, it be entered into the record. It includes the ordinance, staff report, staff analysis, some of the application materials, <clears throat> excuse me, as well as correspondence that was transmitted to the state, which was required as part of this future land use map amendment. Um, staff doesn't have presentation this evening. The full presentation, detailed presentation was given at first reading. Uh, staff is available to answer any questions if you have any uh, at this juncture or at any juncture during the course of the public hearing. Uh, as I previously stated, under state law, uh, after the first hearing, which is the uh, transmittal hearing, uh, the proposed future land use map amendment uh, and the corresponding documents were transmitted to various state agencies as required by Florida statutes. Uh, correspondence was received back. Any issues uh, were resolved. There are no outstanding issues from any of those state agencies. Um, and at this time, staff would respectfully request uh, your consideration and approval of the proposed future land use map amendment. And staff still recommends consideration, I'm sorry, staff still recommends their approval of this application as it's consistent with Florida statutes, uh, consistent with your existing comprehensive plan, uh, your charter, and the Unified Land Development Code. Thank you. Thank you. All right, then we have aggrieved parties. Uh, Mayor, while we're waiting, can I ask the city attorney a question? Sure. So we have one of our aggrieved parties into Mr. Boone's point, um, I'm sorry, the applicant's point. Um, aggrieved party Beal is listed as an aggrieved party for this. However, his backup materials is showing it for the rezone. Oh. Um, so I don't know what that process is for Mr. Beal to be an aggrieved party when his application and request wasn't for this item. I just want to make sure that there's... Well, Commissioner, if, if a person does not have an application on file for the item at issue, then they're not an aggrieved party for that item. If their application has been mistakenly attached to the agenda item, that does not automatically create a grieved party status. So I believe it's been um, it inaccurately attached. I'm going to do a quick look to make sure that the rezone doesn't possibly have his application for this one in it. Does that make sense? that maybe the wrong ones got put into the wrong place. So I, I, I noticed the city clerk has, has stepped out probably yeah. to assist with the documents. This might be a question properly posed to her when she returns, yeah. because according to the code, she is the, the person who processes these applications. Um, and the rezone also has the exact same application for the other ordinance number 2023-26. And so the clerk can confirm for us whether that was a mistaken, you know, mistakenly attached to two items or whether perhaps uh, the, the wrong application was attached and maybe we did receive an application on both items. 
So that, that would be something that she can confirm when she is available and the mayor, you find the time is right to discuss that. Okay. Thank you. I was just taking up time for you. You want to go, who did you call for the agreed party first? I didn't know who, I didn't make a list, but Mr. Are you Mr. Beal? Mm -hmm. Yes. So we got to wait for the clerk okay. To, okay. to find yep. out. I don't know if there's any specific order as to which agreed party gets heard first or not. The code does not specify. Okay. So, Mayor, if you'd like to move move on to a different aggrieved party and and to, to keep the meeting going oh. while we're waiting for that conference. This matter is just concerning Mr. Beal. Correct. Okay. All right. Um, well, I don't know who the other ones are. I didn't know that. So, our uh, agenda backup shows aggrieved party requests from. Uh, I'm sorry. They just have the last names. Price, Beal, Tokars. Oh. City Clerk? Yes? Okay, so that's Toker. Said Beal. Ma Madam Clerk, apparently, I've not reviewed the backup, but according to a commissioner, uh, in the agenda backup, Mr. Beal's application is for the other item, and the same application is attached to both items. Could you confirm whether or not? I do have a receipt for both items for Mr. Beal. And you can update that agenda back yes. up accordingly then. Of 25 and 26. Thank you. Okay, so Thank Mr. Bill will be speaking on the comp yes. plan. Okay, Mr. Bill, I'm sorry. We're ready. We're ready. Right there, Actually, right he has a, you have a presentation, didn't you, Mr. Yes, Bill? So he needs to use that comp Oh, okay, right I'm there. sorry. I guess I don't quite understand. I've been sworn what the difference is between the comp plan and the ordinance. It's comp plan and the rezoning. The comp plan amendment is for land, is for the comprehensive plan, and the rezoning is the, the they're two separate. Right. I thought we were on the ordinance. We are for the for the comp plan first. So this is not Toledo 320. Y yes. Mm -hmm. Madam Chair, I, I just real briefly because I don't want to slow anything down here. I'm sure. I'm sorry. Excuse me, Mr. Bill. Yeah, for the record, Jeffrey Boone. Um, uh, uh, Madam Clerk, did you say that the there were uh, aggrieved party requests submitted by Mr. Beal, one for the rezoning and one for the comp plan amendment? There's the, one for 2023-26 and one for 2023-25. Okay. And you, so that it was just a mix-up then and what was attached as far as the, the agenda. Yes, that's what I'm going to look at we, now. Yeah, because um, you know, we didn't have notice that notice of this. But, but anyways, okay, so there, that, that I just wanted to make sure we heard you correctly. Yes, there is one for each item. Okay, is Mr. For the comp plan. For the comp plan, which is the ordinance right. and ordinance as well. So I think, I, I think, City Clerk, we need to get that application to all of the parties. Can we, yes, yeah. and I believe it was emailed out, so I'm checking that as well. Okay, let's get that confirmed at, at this point before Mr. Beal begins his presentation, because under the code, the parties do have a right to make an objection if they so desire. So they need to have the documentation to determine whether or not they intend to lodge an objection. Do we or do we want to move to the second person, the Reef party? What do you guys want to do? Move to a different person? I, I, 
Is that okay? Yeah. Yes, you can move to an, uh, yeah, who's another the second, who's the second person? Pamela Tokars on behalf of Martin Moore. Carolyn Price. Carolyn Price. Or third. Fourth. Carolyn Price, I've been sworn already. Um, local government are not required to change the law, whether the comprehensive plan or the zoning code, to allow more extensive or economically valuable uses. The Florida Supreme Court has made clear that a local government may deny a comprehensive plan amendment for any valid planning reason, including to protect resources that bring economic and environmental value. A comprehensive plan is legislation, and a local commission is free to decline a request to change the law for the landowner to use not currently allowed. Local government is not required to amend its comprehensive plan to increase allowable uses or intensities. These are per case, case law, and I can give that to you. This is all in your packets that you were given. Decisions to deny comprehensive plan changes are legislative to be upheld as long as they are fairly debatable. For this reason, the chance of a successful legal challenge to a decision by the county declining an application to amend it and its plans are extremely low to non-existent. While Florida private property rights statute, the Harris Act, and I will be quoting from that extensively, is often invoked in support of land use applications. On this issue, the act is no different than constitutional property right clauses, interpreted in three judicial decisions cited above, and that'll be on your handout. The Harris Act requires comprehensive comprehension only when a landowner can prove that regulation has inordinately burdened an existing use of real property or a vested right to a specific use of real property. Inordinate burden means an action which has directly restricted or limited the use of real property such that the property owner is permanently unable to attain the reasonable investment-backed expectations for the ex existing use. Landowners who buy land subject to existing limitations cannot win a Harris Act suit unless something dramatically changes that are now precluded any reasonable use of the property under the rules existing when the land was bought. <clears throat> the Harris Act language tracks this precedent, which has been followed repeatedly over the years by Florida courts. Under the Harris Act, a person who bought land subject to an existing comprehensive plan restrictions has no claim for an investment-backed expectation for the existing use of the real property. 
or a vested right to a specific use of the real property. Neither can they meet the criteria that a decision not to change the law to increase allowable use is so unreasonable, such as that the property owner bears permanently a disproportionate share of a burden. The Harris Act basically says that the city cannot be sued just because a property owner does not get his choice of how it's zoned or how it's used. This is a free enterprise system in America. We run on capitalism. When you buy a piece of property and it doesn't zone the way you want it, doesn't mean that you automatically get a free pass and you can get it zoned however you wish and you have a right to sue if that's not granted to you. And that's what the Harris Act says. Just because somebody doesn't get what they don't want in zoning does not give them the right to sue. And there's case law in place that states that. So any fear that this commission may have that the property owner would sue this council because they don't get the zoning that they want is null and void. And it says that in the Harris Act. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Price. Um, Ducart, Pam, I'm sorry. Yeah. So um, to follow up on Craig Beal, notice of his, both of his agreed party requests were sent to the applicant as well as NDS or DS staff on September 27th. Okay. And we'll update it on the agenda. Madam Clerk, was it sent to all parties or just the applicant? It was sent to, well, I don't know who all parties are. Well, that would include the applicant, the staff, and all of the aggrieved parties. They all have equal party rights. It was sent to NDS, Jeffrey Boone, Jackson Boone, and Lee Fosco. Okay, it needs to be provided to all, all parties. So that includes the aggrieved parties as well. Okay. It, Madam uh, Mayor, if I may, just to... And for the record, Jackson Boone, attorney representing the applicant, I have been sworn. Uh, Madam Clerk, the, the, the question we have here is we know that Mr. Beal has an agreed party request specifically for ordinance number 2023-26. Both was, of them were provided to you on September 27th via email for 2025 and 2026. Does he have a agreed party request for ordinance number 2023-25? Because yes, 2023-25 and 2023-26 were both forwarded to you on September 27th. September 27th. September 27th. Okay, so that there's an error on the agenda where the request for number 26 was added to was the posted 25, yes, sir. Okay. Okay, are we good? All right, so next is Pam Tokars. You have you have 20 minutes. Hi, my name is Pam Tokars, and I have been sworn. I'm here uh, representing Mr. Martin Moore, who lives directly across the street from this project. During the first hearing, the city planning department stated that this property was always slated for development when the Glosson Carlton property was annexed in the year 2000. That was the purpose for the annexing the entire parcel of land, which was approximately 9,000 acres. Now, in the um, information that I gave you. Carolyn gave you the, um, I have the letter for Carolyn from the attorney regarding the property rights and underneath that is a, um, an ordinance from 2008 that I will explain. 
during my presentation. So per a memo, per a memo from the 2008 from the city planning department, it stated that this property was to act as a buffer zone between the village and the activity center property to the south and the agricultural property to the north in Walton Preserve. The following is a narrative from the ordinance when the Glossen uh, Carlton property was annexed in the year 2000. The applicants seek to annex approximately the 9,000 acres from, the, from Sarasota County and approximately 6,900 acres are requesting to be given an agricultural estate's future land use designation with the remaining 2,300 to be designated as activity zone. A small area is also requested to be designated recreation and open spaces. The applicants are seeking to annex the future land use for those parcels. The property is located in the northeast quadrant of I-75 Boulevard and Toledo Blade Interchange. The activity zone acreage will allow for additional commercial office, industrial and residential uses, and the agricultural uses will provide an appropriate transition from the higher intensity activity center to the preserved lands and the unincorporated Sarasota County and DeSoto County to the north and to the east, and as well as the Northport Estates area to the west. And the applicants will work with the staff to ensure orderly development for that area. So the city uh, planning department issued this memo in April of 2008. Now this memo does regard the Isle of Athena development. So part of that memo that I gave you is only the first two pages and the last ones because anything for the Isle of Athena does not affect this. But the first pages do reference this area and what it was for. So when they issued that memo in April of 2008, the question should be the city, the question, they said the question should be, should the city change its vision for the property in the northeast corner in regards to the Isle of Athena development? The Toledo Bay 320 project is not the same location where the Isle of Athena was going to be built, but the memo does address the vision the city had for the property that Toledo Blade 320 project is asking the for the comprehensive plan to change. And I'm going to say this wrong, the Calise Ranch or Kelsey Ranch was annexed as part of this Glosson uh, Carlton property in the city's comprehensive plan in the year 2000. The city's vision for the ranch as established is well grounded in planning theory and achievement of city goals while using a professionally accepted approach to the natural and physical uh, opportunities challenge inherent in the site, such as the environmental systems and existing, yeah, existing borough pits. The following will explain how and why the city's vision was established. During the review and approval process of the application, the planning theory of concentric zones was applied. And you'll see that, and I'm sorry that I got this from an old ordinance, so it doesn't really show up well on the paper. The theory of, but you can get the idea, with the theory is the application to the larger areas such as the 9,000 acres Kelsey Ranch Comprehensive Plan Amendment. Graph one shows, described, shows below, describe the concept. Basically, the center zone one is the highest intensity and the outer zone five is the lowest intensity. So they work their way out. So applying this approach to the Calise Ranch Comprehensive Plan Amendment in 2000, resulted in the northeast quadrant of I-75 and Toledo Blade Boulevard being classified as activity center four, or those concentric zones one and two in the graph, and area one in graph two. 
The Calisa Ranch Amendment also applied the village land use classification, which is similar to zone two in the graph, an area in uh, graph two. The large lot estate areas on the Calise Ranch are similar to zone three and four in the graph. The areas north and east of the ranch are, are conservation areas and an area owned by the water management district respectively, which corresponds to zone five in the graph, which is over to the other side where Orange Hammock is. And as you can see, the intensities in the Calise Ranch were planned to be intense at the interchanges and decreasing intensities as one moves to the conservation areas adjacent to the city's northern and eastern boundaries. To develop the vision for the ranch area, a number of important points were considered during the review process. The agricultural estate land use classification is the most similar city classification to the country's, to the county's uh, future land use classification of rural. Specifically, the county's plan would allow for 1,000 dwelling units and the city's classification, or the counties would, would allow for 1,000, but the city would allow for 2,000 based uh, following the agricultural estates design where you had one house for three acres. And due to the environment, soil types, and flooding concerns, the city determined that the agricultural estates future land use classification was, more, mo was the most appropriate. Water resources that may be located on the site and the impact to the Snowball waterway was a concern. The potable water element policy 6.5 in the comprehensive plan from 1997 was drafted to address this concern. Another important, another important point is that the Calise Ranch provides the city with an opportunity to diversify the housing stock by continuing the agricultural estate types of housing. And the increase in size of activity center four to include the Northeast Quadrant Boulevard furthered the city's policy to diversify the tax base. So based on this information, the property that Toledo Bay 320 wants to develop as industrial and high intensity residential was never meant for this type of development. It was to be left as a buffer and if it was to be developed, it would follow the same housing model as the agricultural neighborhood. Single family homes on three acres lots, zoned agricultural. And per chapter two of the comprehensive plan, goal three, I'm still gonna go back to this one, no public water or sewer service shall be provided to the agricultural estates portion of the Golson property. And when we submitted our record request to the city regarding the developer's plans, one of the items we received was an email that Mr. Galander checking the status of the application. In this email, he mentions that they are planning on selling to the end user developer, developer for the industrial uses. And the state just passed a live local law allowing low income housing to be built in industrial zoning. And how will we know that the end user will develop this parcel as industrial and not low income housing? And I do find it interesting that the developers are asking to approve this project when we don't know exactly what type of industry they want to bring here. The property where Northport Gardens will be located in Activity Center 4 was just put up for sale in MLS. Part of the advertisement lists the other developments going into the area. They list 300 acres to the north is already entitled to 9,000 square feet of industrial. There are five leases, including one traded on the New York Stock Exchange user going to occupy 250,000 square feet foot in November of 2024. How does this really know when we don't? Plus the developer hasn't even been approved yet. I find it very insulting that the developer is already assuming this project has been approved 
and it's already moving forward with permits with Swift Mode. Do I have one more? Yeah, there we go. The city is currently undergoing a rezoning process to increase the industrial and commercial tax base. I totally agree with that decision, but it needs to be done with the end goal, goal in mind. We can designate any area in the city to industrial and commercial, but if there's no cohesive plan, there will be no companies that want to come here because there's nothing to draw people here. No one wants to travel to a city to see their industrial buildings. They come because there is an attraction that brings them here. We have warm mineral springs and the aquatic center, but those are not for everyone. As a matter of fact, there's at least two of you up there who have um, never used the springs. We need to develop the city as more people want to visit here and give them something to do. I had mentioned in the first hearing that an equestrian community would be a better fit for the area. There could be many different housing options for the community. You could go with a single family home concept, a million dollars, knock yourself out with a price as long as it sells on one acre lots, or keep the same housing plan that the developer is proposing and build condos instead of multifamily apartments. Instead of industrial buildings, the area that they want to put that 55 acres for industrial, that could house the stables for the homeowners, for the horses for the homeowners. Plus there's enough land to build a competition arena. Having that competition arena will draw people to Northport. Florida is a big destination for horse lovers across the United States and around the world. Northport could tap into that lucrative market by providing a world-class competition arena. There are other successful arenas in the areas that have been around for 40 years. They draw people from all over for competitions and clinics, making it a destination for people to enjoy themselves and spend money at area businesses that we built as a result of the rezoning. Foxlea Farms in Venice is one of those places. They hold events and many shows. In the year 2020, during COVID, they held 170 events. They attracted over 6,000 horses for those events. Those events generated over $81 million for Sarasota County. And I did make sure I looked at the commas the right way. It was $81 million. That is money that would benefit area businesses and just not one industrial company. The equestrian community would give the city an opportunity to work with the American Trails Organization, creating a trail system for horses and bike riders throughout the city. It would also connect the trails in the Walton Preserve and go through Orange Hammock area down to the new activity centers in the Yorkshire area. Once those centers are developed, it would help connect them to, be, to the other areas of the city. And the neighbors before you tonight put a lot of time and effort researching the issues and giving valid reasons why this area should not be developed with this proposed project. I hope the commissioners value our presentation as we just didn't stand up here and say that this development doesn't belong here and we don't want it. Plus, it's killing gopher horses. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you. Um, Mr. Beal, I think, is, is up next. Thank you, Mr. Beal, and sorry for the, the back and forth. Okay, thank you. I uh, provided you with a handout. I'm going to bring it up on the screen. I think I'm going to bring it up on the screen. How does this work? 
double click on your presentation. Okay, it's opening. Oh, that's yours. Yep. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, just delete yours. <laughs> okay. I think this is yours. Okay. Is yours? Yes, sir. That is. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. So. Sir, this, please state your name and that you've been sworn first. My name is Craig Beal, and I have been sworn. So I have a presentation. Um, this is a wetlands layer map from Florida DEP, and it's basically the Toledo 320 project. Uh, I scaled in this red line, which separates the 55-acre parcel from the rest of it. As you can see on this map, everything that is light or dark green is a designated wetland. This is DEP. This isn't me. So I'm going to click to page two here somehow. All right. It's page two. So the developer has already submitted a swift mud permit for his property, and swift mud went through it pretty thoroughly. I've only included the first four pages of 21. And as you go through it, just so we have transparency, none of this was ever discussed by city staff. Mm -hmm. um, you have environmental considerations, and every time we've come in front of this commission or the Planning and Zoning Committee, we've brought up all the wetlands out there. So there's 126 plus acres of wetlands. And I'm estimating probably 45% of that 55 acres is wetlands. So I'm not asking, Swift Mud's asking now. And as you go through this checklist, they're asking for the developer to designate all this stuff, tell them how many feet there is, how many acres, what type of wetlands. They want a complete environmental survey. And if you go back to this, November 21st, 2023. That doesn't give anybody much time to respond. And I think this thing should be put on hold till it's been completely surveyed environmentally. How can you guys vote to approve something when Swift Mud says time out, back up? If you read through this thing thoroughly, they're not supportive of this thing at all. There's a lot of stuff missing. There's a lot of things going on. There has not been transparency in this whole plan. And we've argued that all the way through. This is, so now we're on page six. This is part of your exhibits. This is your neighborhood meeting. And the highlighted question, you will have some significant wetland impacts for industrial portion. Will you mitigate on site? So I'm getting conflicting things. Some civil engineers are telling me you have to mitigate on site, that the mitigation banks for the Mayaka basins no longer exist. I'm going to ask for your opinion. I don't know what to tell you. But 45% of your property's wetlands, where, where are you going to move them to? How are you going to mitigate them? You never answered our questions. So I don't know how to explain it. So city staff has been in contact with Southwest Florida, Miss Lori Barnes, and basically Swift Med said the same thing to her. What are you guys gonna do? So here we are at the second reading of this thing and nobody's ever discussed this project. 
And we were told earlier that all the state agencies give it a thumbs up. That's not true. I read some of those reports and they were concerned about the traffic impacts. They're concerned about a lot of things. So my suggestion is we put this thing on hold till it's resolved. You can read this stuff. There's all kinds of stuff out there, but to vote on this tonight is ludicrous. And your planning and zoning commission, while they had to approve this to come to you, they were not supportive of this development at all. And they all said that. But that was about the ordinance. It wasn't about the project. So I don't know how this thing can go through with all the unknowns out here. You know, this is classic swampland in Florida, and it should stay swampland in Florida. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Bill. All right. We're moving to rebuttals. First up is the applicant, and you'll have five minutes. So before we start the clock, we're, we're just going to, um, our engineer, Mr. Wynn, is going to respond. We don't have time in five minutes for him to go into detail. So if this is, if anybody has a, questions about this or believes it's of a concern, please ask him questions so he'll have an opportunity to fully respond about the environmental permitting issues. Then I have some rebuttal that, that I, I need to, to get into as well. For the record, this is Kevin Dunian. Um, I am representing the applicant. I have been sworn in. Um, to um, answer about the wetland mitigation, uh, the applicant is looking to um, looking to uh, follow the proper channels for wetland mitigation, um, and the wetland mitigation um, bank is um, would be local, which is the Mayaka River uh, mitigation bank. Um, and these comments for the uh, for the swift mud are. Standard engineering comments. Um, so we'll be we'll be coordinating back and forth with um, Swift Mud on engineering design and wetland mitigation, along with the uh, the wetland mitigation scientist. Thank you. And again, if, if anyone has any questions beyond that, the bottom line is this is the normal process. And uh, and I, I guess to me to me the straightest answer is it says if indeed that those wetlands can't be mitigated. And the folks who are here asking you to disapprove this, they have nothing to worry about because nothing will be developed there. Obviously, we have a different opinion, and ultimately, we have to get the permits. And if we don't get the permits, then, then there'll be no development. And there certainly can't, if that link, if it's as bad as you've been told it is, there certainly can't be an equestrian facility there. So um, I'd like to respond to first uh, uh, about Mr. Grosso's letter, uh, which we had a copy of. So Richard Grosso. He's been practicing land use law almost as long as I have. Um, he, he was uh, associated with a thousand friends of Florida for years. He may still be. That's the leading statewide anti-growth group. Um, lobbies the legislature uh, fully involved all over the state uh, against growth. So Mr. Grosso's letter states the law from a specific perspective, but does not attach the law to the facts of this case. Uh, if 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 you if this letter is as you've been told it is, that basically means 
nobody could ever challenge a denial. And we all know that's not true. So there's no uh, attachment of the facts of this particular application to the law. And this, if this letter was introduced in court, it would get laughed out of court by the judge because there's no application of the law to the facts here. And then let, let me say this. If indeed what this letter says is you have nothing to worry about if you deny this, because that's what you're told, either under the Harris Act or under a comp plan challenge, then either Mr. Grosso needs to guarantee the citizens of Northport that they have nothing to worry about and if challenged won't lose, or Ms. Price needs to notify, needs to guarantee that to you. Because nobody can guarantee that to you and every property owner has a right to redress before the courts. So, um, and right now, nobody can even tell you whether an approval or denial would stand under a challenge because you haven't approved or denied anything yet. So, I mean, this, this, is, a, this is just a, it, it, it's crazy. On to the memo from uh, April 11, 2008. Um, it's to the city commission from Steve Prohl. I remember work, I worked a lot with Mr. Prohl when he was the city manager to Danny Schult. It says Dan Schult, but Danny Schult, assistant city manager. I work with Dan, Dan a lot. And then Sam Jones is the planning director. So by the way, at the time this memo was written, I'm standing here telling you that I was working on, at this time, Toledo Village, the property immediately to the south of it. I was working on, at this time, Northport Gardens DRI. And I was working on, at this time, the Thomas Ranch development, which is now Welland Park. This memo is about what are we going to do in this broad area if the 9,000 acre 9,000 acres, that's larger than what was annexed in the Northport Welland Park. This memo is about what do we do if there's a 9,000 acre annexation? How do we allocate all the balance of the land uses over that? Well, everything has changed. This is 15 years ago and everything has changed. Isles of Athena is now, is now Orange Hammock. So uh, the, this, would be like, this would be like taking a memo uh, to you about you know, the, the, the Mayaka State Forest and as if it was going to be developed in Northport. Well, it was supposed to be developed in Northport at one time, but then that all changed because the state bought it. So everything has changed. This memo basically is irrelevant to what we have before you today. What we have before you today uh, is our request. And we, as you know from our, you know, this is slightly kind of obtuse when, when a new affected parties get to make presentations and you heard our presentation, you know, several weeks ago. But we addressed all these issues. We have competent substantial evidence in the record to support uh, the, the, plant, the approval of the comp plan amendment. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we now move on to rebuttal by staff. And you'll have five minutes. This is Madam Mayor. For the record, James White, representing staff, I have been sworn. At this time, staff has no rebuttal. All right, thank you. Uh, then we have aggrieved parties rebuttals, five minutes each. We'll start again with, refresh my memory, who was, oh, uh, Ms. Price, right. Carolyn Price. can only repeat the thoughts and the suggestions that I gave at the last meeting. Your name again? I'm sorry, Carolyn Price, and I have been sworn. 
This development will not provide the connectivity to the existing neighborhood. This development will negatively affect the local wildlife and the wetlands. Proposed roadways will block the flow of the water to those wetlands. A recent survey stated the importance of protecti protecting natural environment. The changes of zoning in the middle of existing neighborhoods and protected wetlands are not a good use for those lands. Two other developments have planned residentials primarily. These proposed developments, this development does not match. My concerns are also for the light pollution and the noise, which will drive off any wildlife in the preserve and in the orange hammock. Also the noise that's gonna come from the traffic. Homeownership is one of the largest investments that we make. Please do not ruin our values by putting them in the developer's pocket. I know you want more in industry, but the industrial areas south of I-75 haven't even been built out or filled. This is where the place for this light industry to be. It's already started to be developed. It's already there, and there's more room for it to expand. Spot zoning in the middle of established neighborhoods is out of harmony. It's detriment to the existing homeowners and to the wildlife. There are other zones that can be dictated here, not industrial. It could still be a benefit to the city, such as an equestrian center like Ocala, which brings in millions of dollars, millions. There's no mitigation to protect homeowners for the wildlife. There's no mitigation that can be done that will protect that. It's, there's no way to do that. I don't care how much you say you're going to plant shrubs, put up a fence, plant a couple of trees. It's still going to be an eyesore in the middle of the neighborhood, in the middle of not my neighborhood, but in, in the middle of all the new developments. This rezoning is not a positive mood for the people. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Price. All right. Uh, next, we have uh, Pam Tokars. Hi, Pam Tokars, and I have been sworn. Uh, regarding the uh, letter that was a property rights letter that uh, Attorney Grasso had submitted, and uh, we submitted that based on the fact that we know there were some concerns that it was a property the developer could develop it any way they wanted to, but we wanted to show that there was another option as well. And as far as us being able to negate whatever Attorney Boone said, well, we're not attorneys, so we were gonna rely on the city attorney to help you guys uh, interpret that part. And for the uh, swift mud that uh, Mr. Golden sent, one of his concerns in the first part of the letter was um, based on a review, that there are areas throughout that site susceptible to flooding as they are located within a 100-year floodplain. And based on a review of the National Wetlands Inventory data, it appears that the wetlands overlap many of these areas and encroachment should be avoided or minimized. The use of low-impact development principles could help accomplish this. So high-intensity development for residential and industrial, to me, are not low uh, low impact development 
And as far as the memo goes, yeah, it's from 2008. But my point with that was that at the beginning when we had our first hearing that this they, the city planner stated that this property was always slated for development. And I wanted to prove that that was not the case based on that memo from 2008 that the city planning department had a vision for it and it was to be left as a buffer. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Tokars. And uh, then we have Mr. Beal. <coughs> you have Thank five you. minutes. I have been sworn. So I don't want to tell you on the wetlands and mitigation, but I have been in construction for 50 years in the state of Florida. Been a licensed general contractor since 1986. I have four state licenses as a building inspector. So I'm not a novice to construction. I have lived in this area 25 years. Um, I moved down to Northport from Sarasota where I was born and raised. I worked for the Sarasota County School Board as a building inspector. I built schools in the city of Northport and people's backyards for the last 25 years because we were not permitted to buy commercial property. So I've been around the block on this. I've seen the flooding here in Northport. I can tell you from my experience, any kind of developments out in that area, you're looking at a four foot lift to fill to be added to build anything. So I built Woodland Middle School, four feet of fill. You know, it was swampland in Florida that the developer gave us. So when I talk about clarity, we keep coming up with all these surface issues. When I went through the permit activity, I don't know how much property the developer owns. The Swift Mud permit said he owns 640 acres. I'll let you guys fill in the blanks on that. So there's more to come. We're not being told the whole picture. So as you make your decisions and look at all the things that we have to deal with, there's a lot of unanswered questions. And I ask you to consider all those before you approve this zoning. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Before public comment? No, we have public comment next. Is it possible to take a 10, 15 minute break, health break, um, before we move on to the next before portion? Before public comment, you wanna do a break? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. We'll take a ten minute. Just before you take the recess, yeah. I just want to remind the uh, the quasi judicial panel, the commissioners, and the public that the commissioners are still under the obligation for ex parte disclosures. So any communications during this time related to these items will be subject to disclosures. We'll do we'll do another ex parte uh, polling of the board when we resume. Okay. Thanks for that reminder. Did you want 10 minutes? You're the mayor. You're so the mayor. Is that okay? Okay. 10 minutes, right? So we'll return at uh, 8.06. 8.10? You want 8.10? Okay.
Hello everyone, my name is Devon Poulos. I'm the Aquatics Manager within our Parks and Recreation Department. We're here today at the Northport Aquatic Center just to talk to everyone about our Float for Life program. We recognize that nationally, unintentional drowning is the leading cause of death for children that are under the age of four. So we have an awesome program here called Float for Life. Float for Life is a program that we teach that starts with the fundamentals of floating before we actually learn swimming. This program is targeted for those children that ages six months to four, and what we want them to do is we want them to get comfortable in the water, and if they accidentally fall in the water or find themselves in a trouble situation, they can roll over their back and float. When we launched this program, uh, we were the only one in the state that was actually teaching this milestone program. So I do want to give a shout out to our Northport Rotary as well, who sponsored this program here at the Aquatic Center and actually paid for a trainer to come in all the way from Nebraska where this program originates there. We practice and we go through what's called milestones here. So as soon as the kids progress through the milestones, we can continue moving on through them. And at the end of it, it's a pretty awesome program when they graduate. It's one of the final things that they do is they jump in fully clothed and they have to turn over, roll over on their back, and actually be able to scream for help at that point in time. It's just an awesome segment program that leads right into our Learn to Swim program. So that way we can make sure we're keeping our kids safe in, on, and around the water. Frank Lamas, our Always Manager. I am here today with Mario Venditti. Mario, tell people here how long you've been doing this job. I've been here five years. Five years, excellent, excellent. Yep. So, Mario, tell people what it entails, what you do. I'm a planner scheduler for Solid Waste, the city. And um, I go around and I, I greet the new residents and I educate them on the recycle. Excellent, sounds interesting, very good. Yep. So Mario, what do you find inside the recycling bins that shouldn't be there? So let's try to tell the people how to recycle right. Well, the most common thing I find, Frank, is plastic bags. Okay. So the plastic bags are not recyclable. I find them just tossed in the container or they bag the recycle with them. Right, and they should this is inside the blue lid container. That's correct? right, inside the blue lid containers. Correct. And they should be either taken back to the grocery store or tossed in the trash. Very good. Do you see a lot of recycling inside the containers? Uh, I do, bags? yes, oh, I come across a lot of that. Okay, we don't wanna do that, so. Okay, so if you have any questions, you can always look at our website, www.northportflorida.gov slash solid waste. I'm the emergency management coordinator for the city of Northport and we're going to talk about why it's important to have a go kit and what should go inside of it. It's important to have a go bag because if you wait last minute to pack there are definitely going to be items that you're going to forget in the scramble to get everything put together. So it's important to have your documents such as IDs, insurance, paperwork, titles for your home and your vehicles and your boats just so that if your home does flood or your roof blows off all those documents are with you and they're safe because you don't want to end up losing those and having to try to replace those later on. Also in your go bag you should think about what medications you might need to have ahead of time if we're under a state of emergency you are able to refill your prescriptions ahead of time even if they're not due yet 
So it's important to do that. Also in your go bags, you should have non-perishable food, flashlight, batteries, a radio that is battery powered and extra batteries. Should all power go out, we will be able to broadcast on 97.5 FM, anything, uh, any emergency information. So be sure to have your battery powered radio ready and tuned in to 97.5. I'm Stacey Losio. I'm the Emergency Management Coordinator for the City of Northport, and I'm going to tell you the difference between flood zones and evacuation zones, or in Sarasota County, we call them evacuation levels. So flood zones were generated by FEMA, and they're used to determine the likelihood that you will flood, and they're used to determine if you need flood insurance, if you have a mortgage on your home. Now the evacuation zones are based on storm surge data that comes from the National Hurricane Center and they use topography as well as hurricane vulnerability for storm surge for the area and we use those to determine who needs to evacuate during a storm. So it's important to understand that there is a difference. If you're interested in finding out what evacuation zone you are in, which we highly recommend you do, uh, you can use your search engine of choice and type in Sarasota County Know Your Level and that'll take you to the Sarasota County government website. Water in a swale, that's kind of the ditch by your house, is not flooding. Within a, after a storm event, water should be in that swale up to 72 hours after the storm. That allows the water to be filtered, to get the stuff that came off our roofs and off the road out of the water so that when it reaches the habitat, it no longer has those contaminants in it. It also provides an opportunity to slow down water so that the water doesn't go so fast that it erodes um, the roadways or any other infrastructure. So when you see water in a swale, if it's only been, you know, up to 72 hours since the last rain, that is not flooding, that is doing its job. Devon Poulos. I'm the Aquatics Facilities Manager with the City of Northport and today we're going to be talking with you guys about our free swim evaluation. It's important that we do these swim evaluations so as uh, kids are registering for swim programs they get placed in the right class. What we're looking at when we're doing the swim evaluation is every swim level has what's called exit skill assessments. So what we do is we have your child get in the water and we'll go through a series of different movements. Can you go under the water? Uh, can you show us your front crawl? Can you show us back crawl? Can you show us elementary backstroke? Different strokes within there and what we're doing is we're trying to see where your child tests to before it becomes a challenge for them at that point. Once we assess that, then we'll let you know and you can go ahead and sign your child up for that appropriate level there. It's important that we have these so that way when we're teaching a level one, we don't have kids that should be potentially in a level two and a level one class because they're not learning the appropriate skills that they need at that point in time. Right now, uh, when we're in full summer operations, uh, we ask that people come between eight and 10 to do the swim evaluations, just as you can hear the water splashing in the background, slides and everything like that. But any day of the week uh, that we're open, you can come in at any point in time and ask for a swim evaluation. We always have a certified swim instructor on site that can uh, have your child take a swim assessment.
Stacey Losio. I am the Emergency Management Coordinator for the City of Northport, and I'm going to be talking about having an evacuation plan. It's important to have an evacuation plan ahead of time, and it's very important to write it down because that way you can have it somewhere present where everybody in your family can see it and keep it fresh in their minds. And you want to also share it with people in your family or your neighbors so that they know what your plans are ahead of time and how to get a hold of you or where to look for you after a disaster. For your evacuation plans, uh, you should have multiple routes to get to the location you're planning to go to just because Traffic-wise, traffic on 75 might be gridlocked. There could be some very good back roads to get to where you're going uh, that could get you there more quickly without being stuck in traffic. When you're making an evacuation plan, we usually tell you four different things. You should stay home if you are not in a zone that's being evacuated and if your home is built to withstand the forecasted storm. If you can't stay home, uh, and you evacuate, your next option should be to go to a friend or family's home that is outside of the evacuation area and is structurally sound to withstand the storm. Third option would be go to a hotel. They're much more comfortable than our evacuation centers. Fourth option would be to go to one of our evacuation centers. Sarasota County has 12 evacuation centers. Uh, those can be found on their website. At the City of Northport, we are here to serve you. And there are many ways to connect with us. You will always find friendly faces when you come to City Hall. When you first walk in, you will see our Customer Care Center. The Care Center helps customers who call into the city to get answers they need in a timely fashion. Our Care Center has helped more than 10,000 customers last month alone. Next to the Call Center, you will find the self-service kiosk for code enforcement and building divisions. Using the QR code or by visiting our website, you can schedule your appointments with ease. Have you checked out our website? From employment opportunities to building codes, you can find just about anything using the search bar. Finally, you can download the North Report app and submit non-emergency issues to City Hall in less than a minute. The app has helped correct more than 12,000 issues across the city. No matter the method you choose, the city is here for you and together we will build a stronger community. Why do we flood? During significant rain events, Northport nearly always floods in certain areas of the city. This is thanks to the locally named Myakkahatchee Creek, also known as the Big Slough Watershed. The 195-square-mile drainage area flows through DeSoto, Manatee, and Sarasota counties, then through our city to exit at Charlotte Harbor. As the city of Northport is located at the low end of the Big Slough watershed drainage system, the city's current flooding and water quality conditions are attributed not only to the city's growth, but also to upstream runoff in the DeSoto, Manatee, and Sarasota county portions of the Big Slough. During significant rain events, ponding can also occur. Ponding occurs in low-lying areas that are characterized by poorly drained or supersaturated soils. With back-to-back -back rainfall events, the ground is totally saturated, which increases the runoff during a storm. 
The city works hard to maintain its stormwater conveyance system, which is comprised of roadside swales draining into 79 miles of named waterways and 132 miles of retention ditches that interconnect with each other and with the Myakkahatchee Creek. There are 64 water control structures, of which 23 are gated water control structures, 5 are gated drop structures, 28 are fixed weir structures, and 8 are drop structures. The control elevations of these structures are designed so that water is retained in the waterways in a step-down elevation system configuration. This means the water levels in the waterway segments between structures progressively decrease in elevation from north to south and from east to west. This system configuration allows both retention of stormwater runoff for water quality treatment and storage for potable water use. In preparation for a we storm, the gates are open as needed to convey flood waters. To be passed out. The city has Thank an ongoing... Are we good? Yeah, yeah. All right. Thank you, wait, City Wait, wait, wait. What's the matter? Mayor, I would recommend giving the parties some time to review the documentation they just received. I don't know what the documentation is or how extensive that is, if that can be done in five okay. minutes. Would they let minutes. me know what kind of time they need? Can we turn up the volume? Uh, I so, parties, the mayor has requested if you if you need time to review documentation to let her know what that time frame may be. If if no one's going to speak, I can't imagine she would delay the meeting. Do you need more time? No, we're good. You're good. At least we're, at least we're good. And the, the agreed parties. The, the agreed parties. Anybody else? Okay, so it seems, uh, Mayor. Thank you. It seems as if no parties need any additional time to review the documentation that the city clerk has just provided to all parties. Uh, so I, I think we're good, to, we're good to resume. Okay, thank you. All right, we're ready for public comment. Do an ex parte. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, uh, in that interim, were there any other ex partes? Commissioner McDowell? None. None Commissioner for me. Langdon, none for me. None for me. None. Thank you. All right, let's move on to public comment. City clerk. I have Jane Woolston, followed by Susan Balmer and Richard Kane. If you all could please state your name and that you have been sworn before you start. Thank you. Hi, my name is Jane Woolston, and I have been sworn earlier. I want to make clear that uh, previously that we understand that uh, the area that we're talking about is not part of the states. And I do live in the states. Uh, my husband and I, when we came to Northport, that's what our real estate agent showed us because we wanted at least an acre. We wanted peace and quiet. We wanted a little bit of diversity. And we found that in the estates. So I'm asking you to think about if you had a home uh, in the states, even though we border this area, you know, if it's light industrial, are there going to be trucks? Are they going to go down Tropicare? 
or can they only go down to lead a blade? I mean, it's very disruptive. It's going to be loud. It's going to increase the traffic. Trauma care is busy as it is for our area. Um, I'm also concerned, just not the noise, but the pollution. And, you know, I think about like where Carolyn lives, right next across the street from this property. Um, if she was to sell her house, probably, you know, um, it, her property wouldn't be valued as much. And that impacts all of us because you have comps and they're going to, real estate will look at all of the area. And then I think about, I've known when I've driven down Toledo Blade a couple of times, I've, you know, I've almost hit like a deer. So there is wildlife and there is wetlands and flooding in the estates. So all of these are very much concerns for me. And I hope that you will um, look at possibly other options, not the light industrial, not the high density um, something else that would be um, more agreeable um, to all the citizens in Northport. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Susan Balmer, and I have been sworn. Um, when we um, started on the thinking about this land, um, you know, we presented tonight our concerns about the uses of the land. Um, I went back to the information from 2000 and 2008 because the land has not changed since then. There's some of their concerns are the same as we have now as, um, as citizens. The intensity from the interchange should decrease as you go on to the land. Um, there is that buffer um, that should be there. Um, the negative impacts to the surrounding city of Northport and the, the residents and the property owners should be considered. Um, there is a problem with um, the soil and that should be considered. These lands are environmentally significant. We say and we talk about it, and you may pass it over as only only care about the animals. But the whole environmental impact about this is really important. Um, the wetlands are important. Um, as you go deeper into the northern portions of this quadrant of land, the uh, wetlands the wetlands get deeper, which I think is a concern. Um, the nature of flooding in this area affects not only um, the people that live near it, but also of people that live around it. Um, many of the wetlands serve as optimal wildlife habitat and the movement of uh, wildlife. The swift mud process has not been resolved, and there are too many questions as to how this land would be changed. You know, we are not professional speakers. We are not as smooth as other speakers that are here. 
we don't have the background in that, but we do know the land that is near to us. When it's conceived that there isn't a problem getting this changed because the commission will do whatever they think, the idea that developers have the upper hand and that the commission will do whatever they <clears throat> present, to me that's a big problem. And I hope you will consider what we have said, the time we put into a looking at this to back up our feelings about this project. Thank you. Thank you. Richard Kane, followed by Jennifer Nichol and Linda Riley. I'm Richard Kane. I've been sworn. Good evening, everybody. Um, we've already talked about this for two meetings, almost two meetings now. The application is for future land use and then rezoning of the uh, property in question, 55 acres of light industrial remainder of high density residential. Concept plan was presented at the first hearing, which has really little bearing on the decision. Under the current ULDC, there are a host of approved uses for the industrial portion with a maximum height limit of 70 feet for the buildings. There could be anywhere up to 9,600 units per acre built on the residential portion. Presentation and discussion of the concept plan is meaningless at this point in the process. It's similar to all of our concerns. It's a little premature through the process. It was admitted during the first hearing that the wetlands and the industrial portion could be filled in and built upon. The applicant denied that that would be the case for the roughly 142 wetland acres in the residential portion, claiming the filling would be too costly. That may or may not be true. The applicant would have already performed a financial study to determine what is feasible for him. It could very well be that any amount of, to most of the wetlands in the residential portion could be filled in as well. Um, it's a little bit premature uh, to know what really is going to be built because we're not at that point in the process. Um, the current applicant could sell the property to another who could very well provide an actual site plan or, or approval um, after the successful rezoning is accomplished. The future owner could fill in wetlands as well. Um, drainage for the property. There's really no city drainage infrastructure in place at the property. Flooding even with the existing drainage in the city has shown to be inadequate as it is. Witnessed the flooding for me in and this, so we had a thunderstorm a couple Saturday, uh, Saturday late afternoon about two months ago. Culverts and canal water structures were damaged, roads were closed. Seems that the design standards for less than a hundred year flood stage in the age of city infrastructure is now problematic. City is ill prepared to deal with current flooding, so why add more hard surface development that will bring more surface water? Yep. This application has shown over time that the jobs created have been decreasing. Initially, it was set to be about 2,500 jobs in the engineer's report. City staff projected it to be 1,975 jobs. And at the last hearing, we found from the uh, applicant that they're, they're looking at about 600 jobs. So I'm not sure that there's a huge benefit for, for the city in that regard. Um, at the first hearing, it was proclaimed that by approving the, uh, oh God, I'm going to run out of time. <laughs> uh, 
I just don't see a huge financial benefit to the city. No discussion for financial impacts have been presented. Land is rezoned. Just what is the benefit for the city? Um, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Kane. Who was who was next? Jennifer Nickel. I'm Jennifer Nichol, and I've been sworn. And I'm going to refer back to that memo. Um, there were a number of concerns expressed in it. The environment, soil, flooding, traffic, water, impact on the existing neighborhood. We've all talked about these concerns. As a taxpayer and long-term resident, I really would like to know why these are not valid concerns for the 320 project. Um, the only thing that's changed is the ownership of the property. Did staff not look back at the history here, or did they just ignore it? Um, the people that live in our neighborhood want to see this area protected um, and the rural lifestyle expanded. Nobody's confused about the border of the estates. We all know exactly where the borders are. Um, we simply don't want this development on the borders and surrounding the preserves. Um, unfortunately, they feel that this commission doesn't listen to them or care about their concerns. Um, you sat and listened to hundreds of them. I know it can't be admissible, but in the last hearing, hundreds of them express their concerns about this. No one feels this is the right location for this project. Um, it just will simply degrade our whole area. But the rural village concept is a fantastic idea. It certainly complements the area while being less impactful to the sensitive environment. It doesn't change the, neighbor of, the character of the neighborhood. It would complement Northport Estates and not have a negative impact on our property values and our way of life and our traffic. It could be elaborated on by having the big equestrian facility. Um, Northport could be a destination for equestrians and events, which would bring tourism dollars, um, create jobs. Those folks need all kinds of amenities. Um, that, along with the hundreds of miles of trail that we have in the preserves, would be a tremendous asset to this area. Please take a closer look at all of our concerns. Um, don't ruin this sensitive area. Maybe this developer could go back to the drawing board and come up with something that would be more of a suitable plan for this area. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Nickel. Who was? Linda Riley and Kevin Riley. I'm Kevin Riley. 
and I've been sworn in. I'm going to talk about how Northport developed, development got started. We're not a crossroads. In early years, what is now Northport was inhabited by American Indian. In the 1800s, agriculture was the main focus. As Northerners discovered the benefits that Florida had to offer, the mitigation happened in full swing. In 1959, the General Development Corporation laid up a small town of Northport that consisted of about 1,000 people. General Development marketed the town by selling quarter-acre lots for $10 a month for 10 years. Well, as time progressed, General Development couldn't deliver on their promises. People quit making payments. Litigation ensued. The FBI got involved. General Development Corporation went the way of the dodo bird. And that's the way it happened. The root of the problem is that Northport is still struggling today from its past history. It was founded as a get-rich-quick plan by a company that never really considered the vision of the city. But what it should have been. There's no planned city center, no town square. It's simply developed as a gateway for northerners to escape the cold climate and move to a quiet little community. Well, guess what? What started out small is now a real big problem. Today, you city planners, commissioners, have been handled a nightmare. They've been having to try to make sense of what's been handed to you. We've had too much housing development and not near enough commercial and light industrial offset the residential tax base. When Tallahassee enacted the Live Local Act, the housing market overtook the possibility for meaningful commercial or light industrial tax base for the city. Unfortunately, this is what we're faced with today. As I understand it, the commercial tax base is now, what, 8%? And the city commissioners want to increase it to 18%. That's... Uh, that's very worthwhile, in my opinion. <clears throat> Will the plan Toledo Blade 320 project fix this problem, or is there a better solution that we haven't considered? The quick and dirty answer is no. What is currently in the planning stage is this 2,086 acres of light industrial facility and 3,000 to 3,500 high density housing units. <clears throat> the value of six homes located adjacent to this development appears to me in direct violation of the comprehensive plan. Look, we can go on and on right now as to why this light industrial development in Toledo Blade, now renamed Star Forms, needs to have more research done to have it maintained as an environmentally sensitive treasure. All right. There can be alternative plans for the Northport future. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> That didn't go near fast enough. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I am Linda Riley. I have been sworn in. And the end of his is there could be alternative plans for Northport's future. A clear vision is what the city should be pursuing. And it's hard. We know it's been a nightmare for the city trying to seek a solution that benefits our tax base and our current and future residents of Northport. We shouldn't get the cart before the horse. Let's look at different alternatives that other cities have utilized with great success for not only today's citizen, but also future citizens of Northport. That finishes his. We are here again tonight to discuss and possibly pass or defeat the rezoning on the property north of I-75 
and east of Toledo Blade. This directly affects all the citizens of Northport who chose to live north of I-75, and especially those who access I-75 from Toledo Blade north or south. Many of us chose the agricultural estates because we own horses or farm critters. We understand the dilemma that the previous North Port officials from years back got us into. We get it. It's not your fault, guys. We are asking you to do further research and look at other options of this property that you are looking to rezone. Please don't get in a hurry to make a decision that could detrimental to our city. It is our hope that our leaders will make Northport a destination, not just another city slapped together by developers for their own financial gain. I'm personally involved, involved with a very large company in Florida that is looking to invest a significant amount of money into an equestrian facility here in Florida. Unfortunately, I have a conflict of interest to give you all that information, but I will tell you, if we take the time to do our due diligence researching other options that might be available to us, the number of both full-time Floridians and snowbirds that are involved in equine sports is mind-boggling and underrated. The location of this proposed rezoning might be an ideal location for this kind of facility, especially since this area is bordered by the Walton Preserve and the Orange Hammock. This could put Northport on the map for positive growth and a reason to visit here. If you put this to vote tonight, without further research and looking into opportunities that may be available to us, it just might be the nail in the coffin that keeps Northport from being a great environmentally friendly place to live and visit. It is my hope that you don't want us to be just another city in Florida. And thanks to all of you, because I've talked to some of you personally, and I have to tell you, I wouldn't want your job for anything. <laughs> Love you as I do. But I think your job is probably one of the most difficult jobs. And I know most people don't want to stand up and speak to other people or do research. Um, and I'm hoping that you'll listen to the public, but you'll also do due diligence as far as stopping this and making a better plan for our city. Thanks, guys. Oh, by the way, you have these brochures. It's all about trails, American Trails, decades of working on behalf. So you can look through that and see why American Trails is huge in Florida, and it gives you all the resources, too. Didn't want to just tell you to do something. I had to give you resources. Thank you, Mrs. Riley. Did we have other comments, city clerk? That's all. Okay. All right. Now we're ready for commission questions. And we could start with 10 minutes, as I think we've usually done that. And I do have my little timer here. Yeah. Okay. So who do we have? I'm not showing anybody yet. Oh, here we go. Okay. Commissioner McDowell, you have the floor. Mayor, if my, one of my fellow commissioners or vice mayor wants to go first, I'll be happy to to move. Oh. That way, then I'm not first all the time. Okay, thank sure. you. Sure. Uh, next, I have Commissioner um, Langdon. Thank you, uh, Madam Mayor. I'm not quite sure who this question is for. I'm sure either the applicant or staff could answer. Um, in the process of developing a property of this type, typically when are the environmental assessments done, the wetland studies done and completed, as well as any mitigation plans for the wetlands? Typically, when would they happen? 
in the sequence of activities. Lori Barnes, Assistant Director of Development Services. I have been sworn. Uh, typically, the, the comprehensive environmental reports are completed at time of, uh, under Northport's processes, at time of development master plan. As far as any um, in-depth stormwater design, mitigation plans for wetland impacts, wetland restoration, um, wetland enhancements, those are done at the subdivision or major site and development stage. Um, and they work through the process with the city stormwater reviewer as well as the Southwest Florida Water Management District. And if the project uh, requires a permit from Southwest Florida Water Management District, they're required to provide that to the city before they commence construction. Okay, but it would be just before they commit. Those things would be done first, and then if they pan out, construction would begin. Yes, ma'am. Okay, thank you. Some some related plan uh, questions. Um, may, may I may I respond to that? Oh, absolutely. Thank Go you, ahead, sir. Again, for the uh, for the record, Jeffrey Boone. Thank you. So so um. I want to say something that I'm sure all of you all know, but I think it would be good for everybody here to hear this. <clears throat> if in, well, first of all, because we've already made our presentation, what everybody I think has lost track of is the substantial amount of this overall property that's not going to be touched. Let me say this again. The substantial amount of this overall property that's not going to be, not going to be touched. Um, yeah, in fact, Mr. Glender will bring bring this up and we can show you. There we go. All right, so um, everything in the green, everything in the green, everything in the green is not going to be touched. Okay, that is environmentally sensitive land that's not going to be touched. What we heard at the first reading from the, from the folks, I don't know if it's some of the folks that are here tonight or maybe somebody who wasn't here tonight, it correctly that immediately north of this, oh, up in right here, you have the Walton Ranch, you have the Longino Ranch, you have the Carlton Ranch. What the figure that I won't, I don't know if it's totally accurate, but I won't necessarily dispute it. What we heard at the last meeting was 110,000 acres of land will never be developed north of this property. In fact, I know from all the work I do in the county that from the Mayaka River to the DeSoto County line, kind of south of State Road 72, but between the city of Northport and somewhere close to State Road 72 from the Mayaka River all the way to the DeSoto County line, the development rights have been bought off all those lands. So, so there's a massive amount of environmentally sensitive land here, but here's, so I want to tie that in to the last thing in response to your question, Commissioner, is that a, an approval of comprehensive plan amendment that we have before you and an approval of a rezoning that we have next does not mean that there will be no environmental, no environmental permitting review. So, so if in fact, in other words, 
approving a rezoning, approving a comp plan amendment doesn't equal automatic issuance of permits from SWIFTMUD or any other agencies. So that it's two totally unrelated, it's two totally unrelated things. Okay, thank you for that, sir. And a sec second question, am I all set? No, you're set, Time. Um, when would we be likely to see plans for the 55 acres? I think some of the anxiety that we all share is not being able to anticipate what type of activity would be going on on that property. At what point in the process would that information be revealed and, and that kind of development commenced? Go ahead. May I? Sure. Madam Mayor, um, I, I can share with you that we've received a pre-application meeting request for the industrial parcel, um, and that is a, a prerequisite to any formal application. Now, following the pre-application, a formal application for development master plan approval can be submitted. Depending on the number of reviews required by staff, um, a development master plan petition could be presented to the commission with, within three to six months, depending on the number of reviews and revisions that staff requires before bringing that forward. And um, the applicant's representative may be able to tell you a little bit more about their timing for submittal of their formal application so that we have a better idea. Okay. And Ms. Barnes, I, I don't have our ULDC proposal in front of me. Can you remind me, and this is an LR1 designation that we're going for, what's the most intense industrial development that can happen in that zoning? Okay, um, under the current Unified Land Development Code, which is the zoning designation that would be applied, um, and likely their formal petition will come in to the city before adoption of the rewrite. But regardless, the light industrial designation requires that all operations be conducted within an enclosed building space and that there's no lights, fumes, emissions, et cetera, that leave the confines of those buildings. Thank you for that. I'll, I'll yield my time. I might need a second round. Uh, excuse sure. me. If I could respond, just provide additional oh, information sure, on that. Boone, uh, for, for the record, Jackson Boone, uh, attorney for the applicant. Uh, Commissioner Langdon, just to respond further, I know Lori mentioned uh, what the current industrial, the ILW zoning. So in response, the prohibited uses, so prohibited today under ILW include wrecking yards, chemical and fertilizer manufacturing, explosive manufacturing or storage, paper and pulp manufacturing, petroleum refining, stockyards or feeding pens, animal slaughterhouses, tanneries, and on and on and on. So those are prohibited under ILW today. And my understanding is you all are going to a light industrial and a heavy industrial. Right. So. Thank you for that, sir. Okay. All right, Commissioner Emmerich. Yeah, I was sort of on the same guidelines with uh, Commissioner Langdon, but you've got through part of it. You you said you had a pre-application for the industrial. Are we privy at this point to find out who put in that pre-application? Well, sure. It's 
public record. I mean, because that's what a lot of people don't know. Who it's, it's, Mr. it's Mr. Brand and the applicant, his company. It's the applicant that's here before you today. Terry, you, you filed that, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. And what's the manufacturing aspect of it? What are they manufacturing? Um, if I may, Commissioner Andrew, sure. we can get into all kinds of details about what is proposed in the pre-application, but the comprehensive plan amendment and the future land use designation cannot be tied to any future development plan, nor can the rezoning. Um, any, any proposed use on this site coming forward will go through the development master plan approval, which will then come before the city commission to be considered on its own merits. Okay, and that's why I wanted that explained. And, and, and if I may, Commissioner, um, and of course, again, I know you know this, but um, the DMP process is the process where a lot of the issues that we heard at the first reading and we've heard tonight, they're addressed during the DMP process. Sure. The, the buffering, the landscaping, the lighting, the noise, all, all, of, all of those kind of things are addressed during that process. And if you all are not satisfied with what the applicant would propose as part of the DMP, then the DMP does not get approved. And then that development, whatever's proposed, doesn't go forward. So it's it's a it's not a we're gonna we're gonna come tell you what we're gonna do. It's we're gonna come ask you to please approve what we would like to do. And if you don't think any of our proposal is 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 satisfactory enough, then you can either we can either uh, change to, for what you want to see, or you can deny us. Right, and I, I understand that. But a lot of the comments out there throughout the mm -hmm. citizens, Facebook, and everything is like we don't know what's coming. And it's not the proper time at this point to find that out. That's why I asked those questions. So Thanks. that's the only question that I had. I do have comments, but I'll wait for other questions to go through. Okay. Commissioner, uh, Vice Mayor Stokes. Well, <clears throat> usually when projects come before us, proposals come before us, there is a land use designation. Here, we're being asked to designate this light industrial. And while comments were made as to those things that are not included, there are an awful lot of things in light industrial that are intrusive, a warehouse an assembly facility is certainly different than a factory. And while I appreciate there are some parameters around what type of factories, there are a number of uses in light industrial that are more intrusive than others. So it's hard to sit here and try to make a decision on making this in an industrial property, this 55 acres, when we frankly don't have any idea what's being built here. And, and, and I'm, I'm frustrated by it. I get the process. I understand that it comes down the line. But it's hard for me to believe that there isn't a very clear understanding on the part of the applicant here as to exactly what he wants to put here. And I think... It's, it's a tough lift for me because why not zone it commercial? 
Why not zone it mixed use too? There's a bunch of designations we could do with this that would change what could go here. And, and I know that it's easy to say, well, that'll all come with the master development plan and all that. But once this is zoned industrial, there are a whole lot of things that could be developed here. And it would be that much harder for this commission to put the kibosh on it. So I, I appeal to the applicant, what's going here? What, do you, what is the plan? Because usually we have a pretty good feel for it. And it's, it's tough. I, you, people know I am a, one of the hugest advocates of smart, managed economic development in this city. I support these projects because I don't want to see our tax base, residential tax base, double and triple. We need non-residential tax revenues in this city. And I want to support all these projects as much as I can. But there's so much unknown in this one. I'm struggling with it. So I'm asking, I need more. And, and I know we, we, we got through first reading on this, but... Quite honestly, between then and now, there's been an awful lot of thought and an awful lot of conversation. And, you know, I want to make sure we get it right. Commissioner Stokes, if the applicant is, is willing to share with you what they're proposing at this time, they can certainly do so. But again, we cannot hold the applicant to that development plan. For example, if his end user um, doesn't proceed, a completely different project could come forward on this site. Exactly. What's before you is, is this request con consistent with the comprehensive plan? Um, is it consistent with the city's strategic plan vision and goals? That is the consideration before you today, knowing what is in the comp what other provisions are in the comprehensive plan and what provisions are in the unified land development code as far as setbacks, buffering, um, landscaping, architectural design that can be applied at time of development master plan. Taking also into consideration that many times a developer will bring forth a development plan to a neighborhood meeting and they may make some modifications to their plan based on the neighborhood input after they've heard from the neighbors. And then moreover, they come to the Planning and Zoning Advisory Board or the City Commission, and even before that, to the planning staff, who may make some suggestions to their plan. And conditions can be negotiated if an applicant is willing to provide a wider buffer because the commission has requested they do so. Um, those can become conditions of a development master plan at that time. I hope that helps. Yeah, we can certainly give you the list of all of the permitted uses in light industrial. Um, but again, light industrial is not allowed to have those effects of the uses outside the building. So no emissions, no smoke, no odor. Everything needs to be contained within the building and their development master plan will need to represent that it meets those requirements for the light industrial as defined. Um, Mr. Stokes, so there, I, I, want, I want you to know, and I think your city attorney will, will probably confirm this, that there's sort of a fine line to walk here. So um, to, uh, 
to say, well, this is what we're going to do. If you like that, then you'll approve it. That some people would say that's contract zoning. I'm not saying it's this is a comp plan amendment, so it's that's not a clean fix. But the last thing in the world we want to do is answer a question that could cause this whole process to get turned on its head. Okay, but I can tell you this. Uh, from, I'm reading now from the pre-app, the targeted tenants, and by the way, uh, as we told you at the last, last meeting, this would be 800, I think we now have a, for the pre-app, like 830,000 square feet of light industrial. Uh, and right now the plan is for three phases. Uh, and the first phase is 360,000. First phase is 360,000 square feet. So this is consistent with what we told you all, the commission, at the first reading. The pre-app, I'm just going to read from it. The targeted tenants will be those requiring but not limited to the following. Office assembly, office distribution, office light manufacturing, repacking, repair, production, warehouse distribution, retail, wholesale. Now, I want to double down on what Ms. Barnes said. It really shouldn't matter what goes on inside the building, and it has to be inside the building. Let me say that again. It has to be, in, no matter what it is, it has to be inside the building. It really shouldn't matter what's going on inside the building, I mean, as long as it's legal. You know, it really shouldn't matter what's going on inside the building as long as any impacts outside the building are mitigated and managed. And so your concerns, at least the way I heard them, are very well placed and very well understood. But that's the, the way this process works, as clunky as it is, at the end of the day, you have an opportunity to say basically, well, no matter what's going on inside the building, what, what's the, what are the impacts outside the building? And that's what the DMP process can specifically address. And you all, and, and it's a process that, by the way, every city and county in Florida has the same, it's called different names, but it has the same process. Nothing can, most places is actually called a site development plan, but regardless of what it's called, nothing can be built until there's an approved DMP here in Northport, period. I mean, nothing, period, can be built. And by the way, even if you get an approved DMP, if you don't get the environmental permits, Nothing can be built either. There are so many checks and balances. There are so many hoops that developers have to go through here. But again, I want to come back to, it really shouldn't matter what's going on inside the building. It, it, what should matter is what are the impacts outside the building and let's try to work together to address those. And you have to approve the DMP or we can't develop. Appreciate that, thank you. Okay. <clears throat> All right, Commissioner McDowell. Oh, yeah. I so want to piggyback off of what was just said, but I'm going to focus on my questions. When was this area annexed into the city of Northport that's up for this comp plan amendment? In 2000. Thank you very much. So according to our future land use plan and our comp plan, our comp plan is the vision of the city. It says, land areas annexed into the city after November 10th, 1997, adoption date of this comp plan that receive an agricultural estate designation, which this property currently has, shall 
be developed only as part of a rural village. Why are we here with industrial and high density? I, I, help me understand this. This is in, in goal one, objective one, policy 1.1, 1 .1, if you need to see it clear. Mayor, I hope my time is not being consumed by them gathering their thoughts. I will stop. Thank you. Thanks for reminding me. I'll have two or three rounds and then you'll get mad at me. <laughs> well, uh, Commissioner, while Ms. Barnes is looking just to move things along, uh, could I have the overhead, please? Okay. We zoom in right here. <laughs> Is that, please. Yeah, I could pull it up on the screen if you like. Okay, because sure. Um, I'll I'll read from it while Miss Barnes is going to pull it up. The the policy actually uh, there there's more to the policy uh, than than what was read. The policy. There was a period, and that's why I stopped. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. The policy goes on to say development development proposals in these areas having higher densities and intensities than provided for under the rural village guidelines shall require a large scale comprehensive plan amendment. And with all due respect, sir, when you go to the comp plan and you look at policy number three point, I'm sorry, 13.3.2, it says any changes must be 3,000 acres or more. This is not 3,000 acres. She's trying to pull it up here. Thank you. I could have saved you the time I have it up on mine. <laughs> So just to save us a little bit of time, when I went to the rural village uh, designation, it has a very low density for residential. It does not mention any industrial. It does not mention any commercial. Because this was designated as an estate area, agricultural estates, future land use designation that was annexed after this date, Everything else is a moot point. There's, there's. Well, the, the only reason for this policy is if there was never to be, well, 
first of all, I bet if you ask Mr. Grosso, he would agree with me that the only reason why there are amendments allowed under the statute to comprehensive plans is because comprehensive plans can be amended. I agree. Okay. So, but the commission so, has to approve that comp plan amendment. So, so and that's what's before I, us. If I could finish, ma'am, thank you. Actually, so, speakers, we need to be very cognizant to speak one at a time so that our closed captioning works properly. And, and that is the mayor's determination, not a not a witness or a commissioner's. So if there was the, the only, in, in, in my opinion, and I've read a lot of comp plans, the only reason for inclusion of this language, development proposals in these areas having higher densities, that speaks to residential and intensities. Intensity speaks to non-residential, whether it's office or light industrial or professional. The only reason to have this sentence was in the event there would be a proposal to change land that was currently has a, an ag future land use designation. There's no language that I'm aware of that says all, you know, no, no comp plan amendments will be allowed to be filed for any land currently with a future land use map designation of, of, of ag. Okay. This actually allows for amendments. The question is, then does it fit the other, is, is it consistent with other policies in the comprehensive plan? I'd like to speak to that as well. So, and, you know, and looking at the construction of the comprehensive plan, um, when you read the phrase that development proposals in areas having higher densities and intensities than provided for under the rural village guidelines shall require a large scale comprehensive plan amendment. So your two options there, are a future land use map amendment to change the designation of that property with an agricultural estates designation or to amend the policies under the rural village section to increase the allowable densities and intensities in rural village which i don't think was the goal to change those designations for rural villages across the board but rather to consider any development proposals with higher densities and intensities than rural village on a case-by-case -case basis. Okay. Um, I'm sticking with the sentence that I read that says, shall be developed only as rural village. Um, thank you. I'm going to move on to the next one. Um, there was responses from the state regarding, I'm sorry, Miss Lori, when, when we print out your emails, is magnifying glass doesn't even help. Um, there was an email that was dated, it was from you to Ms. Markle, um, and it says, regarding the requested future land use designation of 15 dwelling units, the applicant proposing the multifamily product requiring an R3 companion zoning designation. So my question is, This designation of 262 acres of high density, as stated by the email thread, that the high density is not going to be used because the density the applicant is asking for is 3.4 dwelling units per acre, which is about 890 dwelling units total. So my question is, and it's very similar to what the state also asked. 
why are we going to a high density um, future land use designation when, in fact, the applicant is only asking for a low or medium? And I understand your response is that then R3 won't be allowed if we go to low or medium. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, if it's not allowed, it's not allowed. <laughs> so why, again, why are we here? Especially because if you approve a high density future land use designation, you can have thousands of dwelling units on the property. And even though we have wetlands and even though you have to do parks and open space and all those other requirements, you're, you could, could, because I think Ms. Laurie, you said, um, this include um, any proposed use will come back on its own merits. So what he's proposing of 890 dwelling units may not be what comes back, but we've approved it as high residential. Help me understand. Um, Commissioner McDowell, I'm not sure I heard a question there, but I, I will speak to this as best as I can. Um, the city of Northport has low density residential single family detached housing opportunities galore. Um, this particular developer is interested in providing a wide variety of housing types on this property. And without the high density residential designation, a multifamily product is not permissible. Um, I think that you know the city of Northport does need more multifamily units, um, and this is an opportunity to provide them. Again, a development master plan would still need to come back to the city commission to be approved. Um, the density is allowed up to 15 dwelling units per acre under the high density residential designation. However, you have to take into consideration um, you know, what available uplands this property has and what the soil conditions are and what building heights the site can support. And that will all be addressed at your DMP stage. Thank you. Um, and I know can I'm almost out of time. But yeah, if I, I could, if, if I could since, since the question or at least the statement was directed to what the, why is the developer asking for this, um, as was we explained, I know it's been a while, it's been a few weeks, but during our presentation, what we explained was is that uh, my client wants to develop a mixture of housing types <clears throat> and under the current version of Northport's land development code, which we all know is, is rather clunky, I'm gonna use that word. Uh, uh, the only way to get there is to zone RMF, which allows for the mixture of housing types. And the only way to get to RMF is through the high density uh, and we've been very, I heard somebody say we weren't being transparent. We've been very transparent the whole time. Um, the number of units is, th it's 3.35 dwelling units an acre. It's a mixture of multifamily townhouses and some single family. So that's, that's what we're trying to do. I mean, most of this land, the vast majority of it isn't gonna be developed, but the little bit of it that is gonna be developed, our, um, our client wants to have a mixture of housing types and, and an, under the current version of the code, it's the only way to get there. Um, if I may, because I'm on the, the thing about density and I want to kind of stick together before I move on, I, I will be quick on this. Um, so the response that was sent back to the state, Ms. Laurie, it said that it requires an R3 companion zoning. 
Um, our proposed zoning map has the designation R3. So are you referencing a proposed future zoning map or did you mean the RSF3 zoning currently designated or RMF currently designated? Ma'am, that was a typo, which is a danger when you're dealing with current code and rewriting code. RMF is the designation that I intended to communicate. So the future land use doesn't have a RMF designation. Now that's zoning, not uh, land use. Zoning. Exactly. So, so our so is this going to be based on 15 dwelling units per acre, 10 dwelling units per acre, or 20 dwelling units per acre? Because once we approve high density, huh, no hold bars because the applicant can change his mind on what he wants to put there. So here, here's where that, let me, let me tell you what 40 plus years of experience has taught me on that very point. Okay, when an applicant stands up here and says, this is what we want to do, and there are folks who live in the area who are very concerned about what the applicant wants to do, when the applicant comes back in front of the very same people who said, this is what we want to do, and says, well, we changed our mind, we're going to do something different, that doesn't usually go very well. And you all have the ability, you all have the ability to, to, uh, approve a DMP or not approve a DMP and this thought that a lot of people have and it's understandable about well you know this allows 15 units an acre or you know hundreds of you know million square feet and all that so you're right technically somebody could prop the Buccaneers could probably build a new stadium between here and and the, and the Morgan Center over here right technically probably could this is not going to happen so we have to deal in reality. So we're, tell, we're telling you what we want to do. We're telling you what we want to do. We have to come back in front of the, you all, the very same people, with, with our development master plan. And I think it would be, I think, we, I think my client would be, it's not going to be me that's going to be changing the plan, okay? I think my client would be on very, very thin ice to come back in front of the five of you with a different plan. Now, you know, do I mean that he's saying, well, there's going to be 520 multifamily units. Maybe by the time the staff review goes to the DMP, it might be 518 multifamily units, or it might be 522. I'm not saying it won't be exactly 520, but if they come back with, with you know, 1,520, you know, I... I don't know if I, I just I have it's a hard time. time I have a hard time seeing that 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 get approved. And if I may just real quick rebut and then I will yield the floor. Sure. So we are here today to approve a future land use for industrial and high density. That's what my responsibility is here. This is the board's responsibility today. Who knows what's going to happen in the future? Who knows what's going to happen in five or ten years from now? Once this designation is, is made, and this is the question for staff, once this designation is in the books, stamped and approved, 
it can only be changed again with an amendment. And any developer can come back and say, hey, your future land use says you allowed high residential or you allowed industrial. Is that correct? That's a future land use. I'm not talking about anything with rezoning. I'm not sure I understood the question. The designations are the designations if they are adopted. And what is permissible under that designation can be requested through a future development master plan Thank under you. which the commission must approve. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Okay. Wait, wait, I will need wait. a second chance. May I, may, 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 I, may I respond to that? All, all the future land use map designation would give to any property owner, including my client, would be the ability to file a DMP application that's consistent with the zoning that has to be consistent with the future land use map application. It doesn't mean you have to approve it. It doesn't mean you have to approve it. There's no, there's no such thing as an application. In fact, if it was as simple as, if it was as simple as RMF, RMF zoning says X number of units an acre, somebody files an application for that number of units and it can't be denied, nobody would ever be in front of you with the rezoning because can't be it's just not it's not accurate that it can't be denied you all have to approve a development master plan for whatever gets before anything can be built here at all okay we're going to move on to commissioner emmerich you have questions, have questions. um i had questions thanks for asking <laughs> You get to ask questions too, Mayor. I know, I do. <laughs> I, I just didn't want you to skip But all of you yourself. do a pretty good job of throwing all those questions out there. Um, I had questions about the wetlands, and I think that was that was addressed already. There's 126 acres of wetlands that will be um, preserved. I think that's what um, was said. And um, it's my understanding that SWIFTMONT will designate um, wetlands that are environmentally sensitive. In other words, you cannot mitigate them out, you can't fill them in, you have to keep them. So that's that's property that you can't essentially develop. So um, I just wanted to clarify that and I think that's been addressed. So that is the only questions I had right now. Commissioner Emmerich. Well, I didn't have any more questions. I just had comments. Can I do that or do you want to keep going with do we questions? Have, well, let's just say uh, I'll hold you on there. Commissioner um, Lang, did you have questions? I have a couple, Mayor. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead with Quick. questions and then I'll. Um, the city is currently spending a few million dollars to bring water and sewer to this area precisely to support development in that northeast quadrant. We used a, a million. 300,000 or so of Florida job growth dollars were used to help fund that expansion. And my question is, will the light industrial use in this area meet our jobs obligation for that grant? I think it was 1,900 jobs and change. Where will we stand relative to that? Bear with me for a moment. Um, I can I can tell you um, unequivocally 
one site is not going to meet all of the city's um, obligations as to jobs through that grant. Um, we do not currently have um, a anticipated figure for job creation for this and we property, we and we won't because is. it's not the, the fiscal impact analysis isn't required until development master plan. Now the applicant may have an idea of where you know at, at what what level job creation will be anticipated for the uses that they're intending to attract. But I, I don't know that we can give you an accurate figure as to what this proposed development will yield at this time. It's just preliminary. Okay. Thank you for that. I suspected that was the answer, but I yeah, I would I would agree totally have high hopes. Yes, ma'am, I would agree totally with what with what Ms. Barnes said. Um, the only I guess the only thing I would add would be here there actually is a property owner with a DMP in, I'm sorry, with a pre-app for a DMP that will start the ball rolling on the jobs. Thank you. Um, that's it for me. That's for you? Okay. Commissioner yeah. um, Edmonds, you said you had comments. Commissioner uh, McDowell, do you have questions? Yes, I sure do. Okay. All right, this goes back to the wetlands. Um, and, oh, before I go to that, real quick, Ms. Tozar, you sent a letter to the state dated September 29th. Did you receive a response from the state to your letter? It was in the backup materials. Um, You'll... No. Nope. Oh. <laughs> Can't talk from your chair, ma'am. <laughs> It was just so comfortable. Tam Tokars, I have been sworn. I did not get the letter that was dated, I believe, October 17th that was sent to, uh, at that time, Mayor Langdon. But I didn't get any response from the state. No, I'm talking about the letter you sent to the state yeah. on September 29th. Did you get a response to that letter? No. Thank you. All right. So now on to wetlands. During the first reading, um, Mr. Boone gave testimony that the wetlands will not be paved over, but a vast majority of them will be left alone. When I am looking at Exhibit A in the backup materials, which was, I think, also kind of like a map that you put up, um, it's basically cutting wetland G in half. Could you please tell me how big someone, how big is wetland G? How many acres? Please hold my time, Mayor. Thanks for reminding me.
<coughs> Our engineer tells me that we we he's looked through all the documents he has with him. We don't we don't have that answer, but we could get it to you if if, if you would like that. to have it. Um, and 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 Commissioner, I I'll admit that I don't remember everything I said, but I'm sure if I said what you said, I believe that you. One hour and 48 minute mark, sir. Exactly, and I believe that was probably argument. And, and During the rebuttal. Exactly. Um, was, yes. Since we don't know how big the wetland is, I am going to go by my very uneducated geometry of guessing it's probably 30%. Is that a fair number of ILW zoning? Um, does the future land use, would you say it's about 30%? I. I no, ma'am. I, I don't know what the percentage is. Okay. So I'm going to stick with my 30 because nobody can help me out with real evidence. Um, wetland G, Wetland N, and Wetland H are all in the industrial portion of it that is going to have some type of industrial business on there. So is Miss Elizabeth here? Maybe Miss Elizabeth. Oh, she's not here. I am curious, how will the wetland be protected? And how do wetlands get built upon with pavement or concrete or whatever? What does that process look like? Uh, respectfully, Commissioner McDowell, these are development master plan, subdivision concept plan and major site and development questions. Um, the potential impact area shown on any concept plan that has been seen or provided at this time can change throughout the process. Okay. They are already working with the Southwest Florida Water Management District, and the outcome of that development review can substantially change the placement of buildings, parking, stormwater areas, et cetera. So, um, that, that really is a conversation for a future development petition. Um, I'm not sure who said it, but something about mitigation bank, and I heard Mayaka mitigation bank. Could somebody please tell me what that is? What is a... For the record, I've been sworn. Um, the Mayaka, um, let's see, let's pull this up. Mayaka Mitigation Bank um, is a um, bank that the client would utilize to um, reserve credits for um, wetland mitigation. Um, this this bank is uh, managed by Earth Balance. By who? Earth Balance. Okay, it's a. Mayaka Mitigation Bank is a wetland credit. It's a um, it's a mitigation bank that that um, has a an allotted wetland uh, an allotted um, uh, it has it has so pretty much the, the developer needs to reserve credits to to mitigate their wetland impacts or whatnot. Um, okay. So, so okay. So these have so these have protect these are protected wetlands. These are protected wetlands no, on this bank, property. The bank has. Where's the wetlands protected at? 
I and I, I would have to consult. We, we would have to talk to the Mayaka, um Mitigation Bank and Earth Balances to know exactly where. I mean, I, this uh, commissioner, commissioner, I can tell you that this is uh, in this part of Florida. This is the this is the main mitigation bank. I do not know geographically exactly where it is, um, but it's the Mayaka. Uh, this is the mitigate the way mitigation banks work for wetlands is if a if a property owner impacts wetlands now agricultural property owners can do whatever they want to wetlands and they don't have to do anything they don't have to get permits or anything but but um well bona fide large-scale bona fide agriculture use work uh, but can you please hang on one second hang, hang on to that thought because the attorney's like pressing her button like she needs to speak i'll be recognized by the mayor and i would not interrupt a witness oh, to okay. do so oh, i'm sorry Please, All I would say was okay. the, way, the, way a the way a mitigation bank works is payments are made to the mitigation bank, and there's some sort of a formula that regulates the amount of the payment. I think it depends on the quality of the wetland and factors like that. Payments are made. The mitigation bank then takes the money and enhances the wetlands in the, in the bank area, which provides for a large-scale environmentally beneficial positive uh, system for the environment that's about the limit of my knowledge if you want any more detail you'll need to ask a you need to ask somebody uh, with environmental you know the deals and that stuff uh, regularly thank you madam mayor yes um, one of the aggrieved parties is raising his hand he may be indicating that he would like to answer a question which would be his right to do so if that is the case at this point He's, he's a party available to answer questions as the sure, others. Sure, Mr. Beal, come on up. And I thought I'd give you, if you'll go to the Swift Mud Permit. Mr. Beal, oh, state, state your name for the record. My name is Craig Beal. I've been sworn. You go to page four in the red block. Swift Mud just asked the client the same question you did. Number I'm six. sorry, can you start over page four? Page four. It's the, it's the letter response that the client got from Swift Mud. It's in a red block, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. Okay, what, what am Swift Mud asked the client the same question you just asked him. Number six, please clearly label and quantity the acreage of all wetlands permanent wetland impact areas, temporary impact areas, secondary impact areas, and buffer impact areas. So all these questions, Rukma just asked our developers. Thank you. Appreciate so, it. Run over to where the mitigation bank is, the Earth Balance Ranch, on the other side of the fence. It's called the Longino Ranch. That's where the mitigation bank is, for the Mayaka Basin. Go to Earth Balance's site, it's right there. Thank you, sir. And, and if I may, just to provide a point of clarification on that, Jackson Boone, uh, attorney for the applicant, I have been sworn. Just to finish that comment, number six, it says, as applicable on the construction plans. So I was going to save this until later, but this ERP comment letter from Swift Mud is not stating that there can't be any development here. It's, in fact, asking the applicant to just delineate areas that will not be impacted and areas that will be impacted on construction plans. Okay. You've mentioned plans that, several that, times. That, that, my turn. 
right. I'm ready. You get your rebuttal or closing okay. arguments with him later. <laughs> I do have one other question one after question. everybody else is done. Okay, but I think we're we're having comments. I know Commissioner Emmerich. You can ask one more question. One more question. Okay. I do have just one more, okay. and it has to do with the transportation. Um, FDOT had, according to the responses, many concerns with the transportation. I guess the transportation impact study that was originally sent to the state, their response was that they needed to revise it. I didn't see anything about the revisions or what those responses were, what needed to be changed. Um, but the last email that was sent um, by F F FDOT was... Um, the proposed comp plan amendment may have significant impacts to transportation resources or facilities of state importance, but we cannot make a determination at this point. They say, based on the communication with the city, the proposed development is unlikely to significantly impact I-75. They asked for, the. they said the comp plan package didn't include a transportation impact study, things were mismatched, blah, blah, blah. And I guess Ms. Lori sent a response to them, but I don't know what the state's final determination was. We haven't received any formal determination that yes, this is finished and we approve it, we say it's okay. Um, I'm not seeing that based on these emails. It is not, um, Lori Barnes, Assistant Director of Development Services, it is, it is not uncommon to receive a final commentary from a state agency that indicates impacts may be unlikely. Um, there was information provided to FDOT initially, the June 2022 traffic impact analysis was provided to them in error. That was, um, that was for a prior proposal that included a proposed activity center on this site, which was later revised to the Industrial and High Density Residential Act. So there was an updated transportation impact study that had been prepared and submitted to the city that was provided um, through the applicant to FDOT. Um, they did review it them and their um, VHB, their consultant, and they have determined that this development is unlikely to create impacts to state-owned facilities. It's also not uncommon for state agencies to provide technical assistance comments to local governments for future comprehensive plan amendment submittals to ensure that we're providing them the information that they need for their evaluation. And further, it is also not uncommon for when a technical assistance comment is provided that staff provides that additional supporting information when the adoption package is transmitted to the state for review. Would you all like to add anything to that? Ms. Laurie, when we send a comp plan amendment up to the state and they review it, I've always thought that the purpose of state review was to say, yes, this meets all the criteria. Yes, this is good to go. Yes, you may proceed. But I'm not seeing that here. Am I miss, what is the state's role? To say, yes, this is good, you can proceed? What is it? 
Because this is very vague. They're, they're not saying yes. Neither did Southwest Florida Water Management exactly. District. They had comments. <laughs> we addressed their comments. They indicated they had no additional comment. If a state agency feels that there is going to be impacts to their facilities or regional impacts, they may require some modifications <coughs> to the densities or intensities, or they may request modifications to densities and intensities proposed to avoid those impacts. They may um, request participation in any future developer agreements, um, negotiations to make sure that any of those impacts to their facilities are addressed by proportionate fair share or by the developer um, in making improvements to those facilities. Thank you. Yeah, I, I would, I just, Commissioner Dow, just to, just to add to that. So, um, because my career in land use law goes back to before the, the law was totally rewritten under Governor Scott and um, DCA at the time, Department of Community Affairs was involved in comprehensive plan reviews under statute 163. And it got to the point with DCA and Tallahassee that they started telling cities and counties whether the comp plan amendment should be approved or denied. Um, and it, and, and, it, and not in every instance, but in a lot of instances, they were basically just saying, we don't care what you think. This is what we think. And, you know, we up here, us up here, we up here, everyone say in Tallahassee, we know better than you do about you, Northport. And that, and the, what happened was, is that got so bad that the law was rewritten. And now the role of DEO is to uh, simply uh, provide assistance to local governments, cities and counties with comp plan amendments if they believe that there are any issues that need to, we want to make sure that things aren't missed, I guess is a better way of saying it. And I agree with everything, you know, Lori said, they do have the ability, if they do think there's a comp plan amendment that has significant problems, they do have the ability to get more involved. And here, the issue there, my, at least my belief is, is that the issues that were initially identified were all resolved and there's no, there are no outstanding, no outstanding issues now. Your staff did a good job. Um, in, in dealing with in dealing with the state agencies and getting them the information they needed to satisfy. Okay, we ready to move on for comments? I think she, oh, sorry. I, I strenuously object to him you, getting up get, every time there. Mm -hmm. Carolyn no, Price, no, I'm, I'm Madam Mayor. Madam Mayor, it's a point of order. Yes, we are. We have a very specific codified quasi-judicial procedure that identifies the different steps we're supposed to take at the different times. And it's very important that we follow that closely to ensure the appropriate rights for all of the parties in the room. We are currently in the portion of that procedure for questions, right. which is when the mayor and the other members of the quasi-judicial body can pose questions to any of the parties that are in the room. When that is concluded, we will then go to closing argument. And following that, the commission right. can discuss and debate. Right. There is no place in the agenda or in the procedure at this point for any public commenter or any party to just sui sponte come up and talk to the commission. So, well, I thank you, Mayor. That's the getting up every to, time to answer the, the, the staff question is highly inappropriate. Okay. okay. Are we ready to move on for comments? I don't have any more questions. Right. Thank you, but Mayor. We for wanted comments. And, Mayor, the next step, just to be clear, is not comments, it's questions. Questions. 
So we're not questions, gonna... but not comments and not not discussion, not deliberation. Those okay. cases will come after closing. Oh, okay. okay. Well, I did have one question. Go ahead. And this is probably for staff. We were talking about the wetland bank. What about the habitat that's within those wetlands? What happens to them? They just get pushed out, shoved away, no home, any notice. Lori Barnes, Assistant Director. Um, any endangered species on site will be treated appropriately per our comprehensive plan and our Unified Land Development Code, as well as state regulations uh, require, that require uh, permitting, mitigation, relocation of any of those endangered species. Um, the Southwest Florida Water Management District may also have some additional requirements depending on the class of the wetland that's being impacted. But again, that is all site development plan related um, requirements that will be imposed based on what they're impacting, what species types are located in those areas that they're impacting. Okay, so it's just endangered species, not all species. Correct. Thank you. That's all I needed. Okay. Commissioner <coughs> uh, Langdon, do you have a question? No, I'm comments. So. Okay. All right. So we're going to move on to closing arguments. Aggrieved party. You'll have five minutes. So just please state your name. Carolyn Price, I've been sworn. Um, as I stated earlier, I find it incredibly inappropriate that when you ask staff members a question, the applicant is getting up and answering that question. I feel like he's getting more airtime than the rest of us are. And I don't think that's right. And he's pressing his point. He's not answering the question. Thank you. Please state your name again. Hi, Pam Tokars, and I have been sworn. I just want to read a little blurb regarding the soils in the area. Someone had mentioned the soils in the area, and then there is an environmental report that was done, and it was back in that um, time frame of 2008. It indicates many wetlands are on site and are generally of good vegetative quality with little exotic in invasion and serve as optimal wildlife habitat with extensive unspoiled corridors. The majority of these wetland areas are also surrounded by good upland habitat consistent. Oh, geez, hold on, I'm reading the wrong one. Hold on. Anyway, but, but the whole gist of it was, was the type of the soil that was out there, the water table is very high, and it doesn't make it conducive to be building um, buildings out there. So that being said, uh, part of the point was no one knows what industry is coming here. Okay, I get it. I know that there's going to be changes. So whatever you put 
on one day through the plan might change. But it's sort of like, I think I heard some conflicting things done. So whatever industry they bring, they can't say anything because it might change. Well, then that was also the same for the housing. They're trying to state the fact that they want to put the housing in there. But if you make it high density residential, we're going to make it, it's not going to be uh, a million apartments. It's going to be something else. Well, that can change too, along with the industry. So it was kind of conflicting is that um, with both that sides of the argument. And as far as the industry, what goes on inside the building, they have no control over. Okay, fine. That's what they're going to do. That's their right to do it. However, on the outside of the building is where we're going to see um, some kind of conflicts. I did some math, and I don't have the numbers. But I know they want to build with that industrial. They're going to build up to a 900-square-foot building. Well, that takes a certain amount of acreage. This is only 55 acres of that. And it's going to be encroaching on more than what they want to build on that. And that big wetland is going to be affected. So what happens to that wetland with all the other building on the outside of it happens. So if you can't, let's see, because I can't read my notes. Um, as far as what um, the DMP, when that comes for all of us, will attorney Boone be the one representing him? I don't think so. I think it'll be the attorney for the companies that'll be doing this. So attorney Boone has already heard all our concerns and knows everything. So to work with someone else now, how are we going to know that he's going to listen to us like attorney Boone would listen to us? So th with that being said, if you don't know what's coming with the industrial, is that really going to be appropriate for this area? This area is a as a habitat that really shouldn't support industrial. So if you make the decision to say, yeah, we're going to put industrial here, and then what if something happens? And I know that Attorney Boone had stated that if something goes on with the wetlands and they at this first hearing, that if, if something happens, then we just don't develop it. Well, what if something happens and they can't develop it? Now we're stuck with a whole big empty piece of land that could have been used for something else. So going forward with this rezone, if we plan this city the right way, it can be really great. And if you have this destination, right now in this corridor here, you're going to have that activity center, you're going to have the Toledo Village, you don't have a destination. What's going to bring people to Northport and be here? You're going to be building a hotel. You've got that hotel to support uh, people that want to come for any shows or any other destination that you're going to be building the activity center. You build that equestrian center where they can have shows and horse shows. Then you've got the people coming here with all their money to spend here. And, you know, horse people have a lot of money to spend. So that's what I'm going to say. Thank you. Thank you. No, 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 nope. No. Nope. We have agreed. We have the aggrieved parties coming up. My name is Craig Beal, and I've been sworn. So the developer had his overall site plan, had the purple block on it. This is the same map, but I lifted up the purple block and I showed you the three wetlands that were underneath it. So we talked about plans, we talked about <clears throat> construction plans. I'm in construction, I do plan review. What you guys have submitted is a bar napkin. I'm sorry, it's a bar napkin. There's nothing on it. Doesn't say anything, doesn't tell us what you're building. If you took that and took it right downstairs to the building department, they'd say, let us know when you want to really build something. Tell us what you want to build, give us some depth. 
have the transparency that we've asked for. I don't know how you guys can vote on this thing, not knowing what you're voting on. I'm sorry. This is the third time I've been up here, and I keep hearing the same broken record. Thank you. Thank you. So that's it for the brief parties, I understand, right? Okay, so now we're moving to staff. Closing arguments. James White, for the record. Just in closing, uh, Mayor, Commission, um, I would like to would like to just point out one thing briefly, uh, and that is there was reference to Mr. Grosso's letter that you all received this evening. In um, the rebuttal, I didn't mention it. I didn't have a copy of it. I wasn't able to see it until afterwards. Um, but I'm not complaining that that's not fair. I'm going to address it right now. Um, Mr. Grosso's letter is correct in the very end paragraph where he says that the commission has full discretion to decline to change. But the converse is also true. The courts have said that you all, as policymakers, elected officials, have broad discretion in implementing and adopting laws for the city, the comprehensive plan. The comprehensive plan is a fluid document. It is a planning tool um, to guide growth and development. And <clears throat> the city, over the past 20 years, um, starting with well, the past 15 years, starting with the annexation of this property, it's 9,000 acres, and subsequent amendments to the future land use map and your vision plan have all led us here today. And so with that, staff recommends approval of the proposed future land use map amendment it is consistent with the comprehensive plan. Um, it's consistent with Florida statutes, your code, and your charter. And respectfully request that you all consider and approve the proposed future land use map amendment. Do you have anything you want to add? Yes, thank you. Okay. Um, so, so James touched on on our, our community vision a little bit. Um, First, I want to touch on the Community Planning Act. Prior to 2011, under the Community Planning Act, which is also Chapter 163 of the Florida Statutes, you've heard Mr. Boone mention it, it wasn't uncommon to have an agricultural future land use designation assigned to properties that weren't right for development. As a matter of fact, prior to 2011, a city or an applicant proposing an amendment was required to show that the change was timely, that there were public facilities available and the city could provide those services. And that, and that timeliness requirement went away in 2011. So the agricultural zoning designation is not uncommon. So when this property was annexed, the 1988 to 1998 comprehensive plan as amended in 2000 for, for Taylor Ranch was in effect. Then it was amended in 2001 for this Sloss and Carlton property. Comp plan was amended in 2005, 2007, 2017. So over the past 22 years, the vision for the city has changed. The, the character of this area, this northeast quadrant of the city, has also changed. Um, the job growth grant the city received to extend water and sewer 
has choice this area for development. The increased population, the workforce, the transportation trip count, all of that has changed over the past 22 years. Not to mention the city's strategic plan, which changed over time for the vision of the city to increase commercial and industrial tax base, increase employment opportunities, and decrease the out-of-city commuter rates. The last thing I wanted to touch on is the commentary regarding policy 1.1 and the rural villages. Um, Toledo Village is in this quadrant. Um, the Toledo Village DDPP um, provides for densities and intensities over and above what's proposed for a rural village, and it is not 3,000 acres. So there's already been a precedent set with the Toledo Village project to approve comprehensive plan amendments for densities and intensities over and above that intended for the rural village designation. Um, thank you for your consideration. Thank you. All right, uh, we're going to move on to comments now. Applicant. Okay? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I skipped that. Sorry. I, I think you're doing a great job. So, <laughs> <laughs> Um, for, uh, for the record, Jeffrey Boone representing uh, the applicant. Um, uh, here, sort of in a closing argument, uh, you know, we're not arguing with staff. Uh, they're recommending approval. Um, uh, but there's, you've heard an awful lot of stuff today, and it's going to be pretty difficult to address everything. I think a couple of the key points I want to start with, just with corrections. The ERP permit, the permit application that we have on file with SWIFMUD, you were told that it's for larger acreage than this property as in there's something nefarious going on. I've confirmed with our engineer that it is not. The permit application is just for, just for the property before you today. Um, the light industrial uh, area, the square footage that we're talking about will fit within the area that would be proposed to zone ILW. It will not spill over into any other areas. Um, the comp plan policy that has the 3,000 acre minimum, that's for rural villages. We're not proposing a rural village here. Um, I will say this, just because a piece of property might work as an equestrian facility, um, I have some clients that have operate equestrian facilities. The facility that was built in Ocala that was like the crown jewel of equestrian facilities that has all of the other equestrian operators in Florida scared to death was built in Ocala because that's where the horse industry is. So location, just because there's a beautiful piece of property somewhere, Location has a lot to do with where equestrian facilities uh, are located. But so much of this land, if I could have the, the screen turned on here, so much of this land is environmentally sensitive and is not going to be, um, if you all could bring up the, so much of this land is environmentally sensitive and not going to be impacted. I don't know that it could be a equestrian facility there anyway, but that's not the point. The point is, is that the city of Northport has received $1.7 million and perhaps more from the state of Florida to create jobs uh, in this specific area. Uh, this property is on Toledo Blade, which will be a four-lane uh, road uh, in, the, in the future. Um, it is very close to the interstate interchange. It is an appropriate location for a light industrial area. And, um, and that's, that's one of the reasons I, we believe why your staff is supporting this request. Um, 
We are consistent with the city. This comp plan amendment is consistent with the city's comprehensive plan. We have testimony and evidence, competent substantial evidence, if you will, in support of the comprehensive plan amendment in the record from the first reading. This property, commissioners, was annexed back in 2000 to be developed. If it was meant to always be agricultural, it would have never been annexed into the city. All you do by annexing land into the city that's never going to be developed is to take on extra taxes to just operate your land the very same way. So this land was, when it was annexed, it was annexed with the intention of being developed. Um, I think we fully addressed the, the reason why we're asking for the high density uh, designation for the future land use map it's for the housing, it's for the diversity of housing types. Um, uh, we did get an approval on first reading, as you know. You've heard all the outstanding issues from the state have, have been resolved. Nothing else has changed uh, since first reading. Um, uh, the, uh, all the issues about the wetlands at, at the bottom line where the rubber hits the road is, is that if you look at this uh, plan in front of you, most of this land is not going to be impacted. The wetlands that will be impacted, there has to be permit, there have to be permits received in order for that impact to occur. And if the permits aren't received, then the wetlands will not be impacted. Um, I was pleased to hear that the Mayaka Mitigation Bank is actually in this very same part of Sarasota County, uh, which means that this part of the county will benefit from the, the credits that could be issued into that into that mitigation bank. Um, commissioners, uh, we meet all the requirements for a comprehensive plan amendment, um, and we believe that it's consistent. You've heard a lot about Northport's vision back in 2008 when Jackson was in high school 15 years ago. Um, uh, the vision, but you've also heard what the vision of the city of Northport is today. And so this comp plan amendment is indeed, we believe, consistent with the city's vision today, and we would respectfully request uh, your approval of the Complaints Plan Amendment. Thank you very much for listening to us and everybody else. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And thanks for the, the talk on the screen, City Clerk. I don't know if you're the one that does that, but that really helps me out a lot here. Um, all right, now I think we're ready for comments. And we'll start with Commissioner Langdon. Is that okay? Um, I might I might need some guidance here, but I think first we need to close the public hearing, request a motion, and then there's discussion. Am I right on that, City Clerk? We have comments before we have process. A That's correct on your suggested motion is what we've been following. I don't have them in front of me. Uh, yes, Commissioner Lincoln, that is what appears next. Right. Okay. okay. I'll make a motion there. So let's have the mayor announce the closing of the public hearing. Please. Right. And All right. So, yes. And then you may request a motion. Okay. All right. So this uh, public hearing is now closed. We've heard from all parties, and I'm requesting a motion. I'll make a motion, Mayor. Okay. I'll make a motion to deny approval of CPAL 22-247, ordinance number 2023-25, based on the lack of competent substantial evidence relating to the impact on traffic and wetlands. It is not consistent with the future land use goal one, objective three, policy 3.3, policy 4.12, and objective 
13.3.2. And I know I did not follow these suggested motions, but I think I've covered everything that is stated in there. Respectfully, Commissioner, I'm, I'm going to have to disagree with that. I think I understand maybe why you mentioned a lack of competent substantial evidence, mm -hmm. but that's not the proper standard. The standard for the commission's action must be supported by competent and substantial evidence. So as stated in the draft motions for you, um, if you recommend, or not recommend, if you move to deny this ordinance, there needs to be a finding that based on the competent substantial evidence, the amendment is not consistent with the standards and intent of the City of Northport Comprehensive Plan and Florida statutes, and then you need to specifically identify those. Um, so the, the motion presented does not meet the legal criteria. Okay, so what if, sorry, this is a question for the attorney because I don't feel that they met the competent substantial evidence relating to the traffic and the wetlands. So I can't say that it meets it when, in my opinion, it didn't. I'm not asking you to do that, Commissioner. What, what the draft motion does is to say that the commission has heard competent substantial evidence that supports that this is not consistent with the comp plan and I, or with the statutes and identify which provisions you know, are not being met based upon the competent substantial evidence you heard. So you cited a couple of provisions of the comp plan. Um, there has to be competent substantial evidence in the record to support that those, pro those provisions of the comp plan are not consistent with the application. processing bear with me a moment because I, I have a hard time saying that based on the substantial competent evidence when there wasn't so help me out with a so it's the Commission's job to look at the evidence mm -hmm. evaluate what of the evidence is competent and substantial and based on that competent substantial evidence, if you're going to move to deny, which you have, to then say that the application for the amendment is not consistent with specific provisions okay. of the comp plan. All right. I will try it again. Make a motion to deny ordinance number 2023-25 CPAL 22-247 based on competent substantial evidence, the amendment is not consistent with the standards and intent of the city of Northport's comp plan. And I don't have anything to quote for Florida statutes, so I can take that out. Okay. Um, Northport comp plan um, is not consistent with the standards and intent of the Northport city's comp plan and fails to meet future land use goal one, objective three, policy 3.3, policy 4.12, and objective 13.3.2. That's it. Commissioner, you have to say that a little slower. We didn't get that. <laughs> what you're saying it didn't meet, we need that part a little slower. Okay, so it does not meet the future land use goal one, objective three, policy 3.3, policy 4.12, 
Objective 13.3.2. I'm sorry, could you repeat the last objective? Future Land Use Goal 1, Objective 3, Policy 3.3, Policy 4.12, Objective 13.3.2. Thank you. And if I get a second. Yes. Do I have a second for that? You have a second. All right, we have a motion, and I'm not even going to attempt to restate that. Okay, uh, to deny ordinance number 2023-25, CPAL 22-247, based on competent and substantial evidence, the amendment is not consistent with the standards intent standards and intent of the City of Northport Comprehensive Plan and failed to meet future land use goal one Objective 3, Policy 3.3, Policy 4.1.2, and Objective 13.3.2. All right, that motion was made by uh, Commissioner McDowell and seconded by Commissioner Emmerich. And do we have time for comments? So as the motion maker, if I can go first, Mayor? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> I had a lot of concerns with this the first time. And my concerns grew based on the second time and the backup materials from the state. I have serious concerns about the impact to the neighborhood with the wetlands being filled in. I have a, a concern with the traffic impact statements, the responses from the state, um, the high density uh, residential FLU designation opens up high density in this area, even though the applicant is saying that it's going to be 3.4 dwelling units per acre, once we designate it high residential, it opens the door for 15 and 20 dwelling units per acre. ILW is not conducive for this location. The, this property is currently zoned, um, currently has a designated land use Future land use is agricultural states. And with that designation, the comp plan is not a guideline in this case because it has the word shall in it. The land areas annexed into the city after 1997 adoption of this comp plan that receives an agricultural estate designation, which this property has, shall be de developed only as rural village. That one sentence, in my opinion, stops this whole thing dead in its tracks. PZAB denied this recommendation, recommending to the commission. And Toledo Village was not designated as agricultural estates. It was designated as activity center. So what I just read does not even apply. So there is no precedent. Thank you. All right. Commissioner Langdon. No, second. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Got to follow the rules. Yes, I'm just <laughs> looking at my names right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 
I have to agree with Commissioner McDonald. I've been in this city for 34 years. Um, I didn't I didn't vote for this proposal the first time around, and I had my reasons why. I said once we change the future land use to industrial and high density residential, it's game over for that area. The estates have always been a prime jewel of Northport. It's been a nice little area to go, you know, just relax. And yes, it's getting built up just like the rest of Northport is. But by allowing this in here, it is a detriment to that area. It is a detriment to the wetlands. It is a detriment to all the habitat out there. And in my heart, I, can, I cannot see that coming, whether it's legal or not. But I also look at it to where I'm, I ask, ask or beg my fellow commissioners to where we need to take into consideration and honor what our forefathers and our former commissions have intended for this area. And it's not this, it's what it is, agriculture. And that's where I stand. Thank you. All right, thank you. Commissioner Langdon. Thank you, Mayor. Making these decisions are really difficult and I do appreciate um, the public commenters who recognized that they're this decision in particular is difficult because there are a lot of unanswered questions. But we're not at that point in the process where that information is spelled out. So I, I do have some, some level of confidence that if we get to the master development plan level here, a lot of those questions will be answered. These decisions are also difficult because we have to balance the needs and wants of, in this situation, a neighborhood with the wants and needs of all of the residents of the city. And we've acknowledged in all of our conversations about this proposal, how important jobs are to the city, how important it is to balance our residential communities with commercial properties to ease the tax burden makes it really difficult. These decisions are difficult because we also have to balance the wants and needs of residents who are living in the city today with the wants and needs of residents who are gonna live here in 15, 20 years. These decisions have impacts for generations. And we need to keep that in mind. And sometimes decisions we make with the best intentions for today have serious negative impacts on the quality of life for people um, who are gonna live here after us. You know, those of you who might remember our country's race to get a man on the moon might appreciate the complications of planetary rotations and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, and sometimes in these situations, I think about those space explorations and things that, that these decisions are, are almost as difficult and as complicated as those. But in my heart of hearts, I do believe that this property 
was annexed into the city to provide economic benefit to all of the residents of the city. We're spending millions of your money and um, state money to bring water and sewer to that area so that we can develop those areas. And given its location to the city, to, to 75, it is a good location for this kind of development. But the public commenters um, and the, the other speakers, um, the aggrieved parties in this matter have raised a lot of really valid concerns um, that will need to be addressed if we get to DMP. So if we get that, and I'm going to direct my comments <laughs> to the applicants, I'm really going to be looking for a safe passage or right of way for our equestrian folks in the estates to be able to get to those environmental lands to the north and east. And, and it's not just for this 55 acres. So for staff also, for all of the development going on in this area, I'm really going to be looking for safe passage for equestrian activity through these combined properties, wherever <laughs> it most makes sense. I think that's only fair. You know, the folks that, um, in the estates who are used to going to those areas need to be able to continue to go to those areas safely. With this level of development, I don't think any of us really need to have a traffic study to know that this area is going to be a mess. So I, I like to address problems before we're in the middle of them. So when, when we're at DMP time, and it might be a little unfair to, to burden you know, Toledo 320 with this, but I would like to have a vision from staff on what Toledo Blade might look like, um, what the traffic patterns in and out of this, particularly the industrial area, are going to look like, um, and, and how do we prevent this area from being a huge snarl, snarl, anyway. Um, but, but I do know, because I also sit on the Metropolitan Planning Organization, the MPO and FDOT do have a project that's been approved to enhance that exchange. Um, so let's get in sync with those folks as well. Maybe we have to accelerate their plans, but, but let's make sure when we get to the DMP area that we have some kind of vision for what the traffic pattern is going to look like and what the expansion for Toledo Blade to four lanes might look like because people are concerned, and, and I'm concerned about that as well. Um, I, I'm going to be scrutinizing buffers and landscaping. Um, it's, it's been raised in these conversations. People are envisioning a big, gray, monolithic, horrible thing that borders Toledo Blade, and I know none of us want to see that kind of development on that property. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm not usually terribly picky in, in the details of these things. I rely on our ULDC to specify those, but I'm going to be picky if we get to DMP. I really, I, I'm really going to need to be convinced that consideration 
for the residential estates have been taking, taken into account when we design that property. So I, I think that's about it for me. Um, I just hope we all make a really good balanced decision today um, and have some confidence that when we get to the detail level, we have great staff uh, that I, I think what we're, we might be envisioning today is, is not going to be at all how it's going to look when it's all spelled out. Thank you for the time there. Thank you. I appreciate, I know I appreciate those comments, that's for sure. Uh, Commissioner Stokes, uh, Vice Mayor Stokes, I'm sorry. I will try to be concise. Um, there's been an awful lot said about this subject tonight. Um, what's before us is a future land use designation. I personally feel that if this property had been intended to be part of Orange Hammock, it would have. If it had intended to be part of the estates, it would have been. I do believe it was intended to be developed. And if you were to assume for the minute that it wasn't, then the adjacent properties would be subject of the same discussions we're having today. So where does it end? The reality is that we desperately need non-residential development right on Toledo Blade within a half a mile of 75 is a good spot. It is not a good spot for the people who live across the street in the estates. I get that. And, and I not just sympathize with it, I empathize with it. Because if I lived there, I would be saying a lot of the same things you all are. But what's before us is a land use designation. And I'll tell you, I got a lot of problems with this project because I don't know a whole lot about it because not a whole lot's been said. There are all kinds of issues and there's lots of hurdles to go through as we move towards the development master plan. Huge hurdles to get through and accomplish, but what's before us is simply a land use designation. And, you know, I feel that we need to move to that next step because there's a whole lot of devil in the details that have to be addressed. And if they aren't meant to the satisfaction of this commission, if they aren't sensitive to this area and to the best interests of the city of Northport, this project will be killed, okay? But at this point, we're not there. And you have to take it step by step, as agonizing as it is, especially for the people who have a stake in this, they say, just kill it, get it done, and let us move on with our lives. But that isn't how this process works. And despite the fact that there are enormous questions about this project, we can't answer them, address them, or deal with them until we get to the next step. So that's what I have to say on this subject. Okay. Mayor, um, Mayor you're up. I'm up, yes. Let's be that. done with this. <laughs> I'm up. Uh, Yes. Um, I respect the process that we have in place here, and Vice Mayor uh, touched on that, that um, we're, we're looking at amending the comp plan, the future land use. And I know we kept going into, well, what are you going to do with it? But 
that we have, I guess, for want of a better word, rules in place that this is step one, and then you get to step two and see what happens, and then you have the ability to change things. But at this point, you know, that this is what we're looking at. Um, you know, the amendment has to come first, not looking at, at the rezoning, what could be, we don't know. And that, from what I've heard, we have that ability to insist on changes or at that point to turn it, to turn it down. Um, so I just wanted to, to make that clear that this is what we are looking at, just the comp plan amendment. And I appreciate the, the uh, statement that was made that the comp plan is a fluid document. It is. Uh, we adopted our first comp plan in the city in 97. I was part of those, I guess now we call them charrettes, but when we had people involved in what they wanted to see, very different what was said back then to what is being said now for the vision of our, of our city, and we have to acknowledge that. Um, I am concerned about the wetlands, but I also know the reality that the state went to a, I think it's called a 0% net loss, that it could be this bank is mitigation, so to speak, that they buy land someplace else. It doesn't have to be in the same town. Um, and I remember when the Walmart and the Home Depot site was uh, built on, that, that was a half million dollars that developer paid um, to mitigate the wetlands that were there. But we're all sure happy that we got a Walmart and a Home Depot um, over there. So I know it's not, <coughs> not pretty. Would love to see that you know, stay as wetlands, but eventually it has to be, um, things have to be done. These are people's property. Yes, I was here for that whole Isles of Athena. That was going to be 10,000 houses out there. Um, and thankfully that didn't happen. And, and that's only because we had the, the, the crash. But um, that, this property was only annexed to be developed. That was, was it. Okay, okay. Thank you. Would the public interest be to get it all? No. No, we just have to sit here. No, it's, it's, it's our turn now for comments. But they got long comments. They got long comments. No, please, please, no. We want to do your city for a reason. No. Okay. All right. We, we do have our procedure. That's, that's. For some water. So, okay. I I did I did read the the rules of decorum. We we're not going to be yelling out, or you're just going to have to clear. You're going to have to clear. We, we we're at the end of this now. We're going to get to the end. All right. We've had our discussion. Commissioner McDowell, did you want to? I'd I'd like to speak again. And sure. Um, so the future land use is the, the pie in the sky. This is what we want for this property. So by approving this, you're saying you are okay with industrial and you are okay with high residential of 15 or 20 dwelling units per acre. You cannot count what the developer is saying, this is what we're planning to do. Because that is the nuts and bolts. That is the 
criteria. That's, that's getting into the meat and potatoes of what is going to happen on this property. And I can tell you that industrial, as it is zoned now, even if it's, if it's zoned to industrial, there's a lot of things that are very invasive. You cannot discount the fact that in 1997, the commission and adopting this comp plan said that if there was this designation, it must be part of a rural village. And I know that people are confused with Toledo Village and um, whatever that other property is called, Gardens, Northport Gardens. That's all activity center. Has nothing to do with agricultural estates. This property has a future land use designation of agricultural estates that cannot be developed only if it's going to be done as a rural village. The other two properties that have been mentioned numerous times tonight were considered activity centers in the future land use map. There's, there's different maps, future land use and zoning map. They're two totally different things. By opening up this door, you are allowing high residential on 262 acres. You are allowing industrial on 55 acres. That's the end of discussion. That's what you are allowing. You are allowing this development on wetlands that are going to impact the neighborhood adjacent to it to the west and to the south. Okay. I think we're, we're ready. Do we want to restate? Do we want to restate the motion, or are we okay? We're ready to vote. Do you, oh, I'm sorry. I thought, um, Commissioner Emmerich, did you wanna? I did. I just wanted to make you just said it. I mean, it was said multiple times up here that is not designated residential estates or agricultural estates. It is. It is. So. Once, once you open up the can of worms to go into that high intensity, we're, we're changing it, we're and it's done. done, and we're opening up Pandora's box to whatever the hell's coming in. That's it. Okay. We're motion to is to deny. Okay. Can we can we read the motion again? Thank you. Sure. Uh, to deny ordinance number twenty twenty three twenty five. CPAL 22247, based on competent and substantial evidence, the amendment is not consistent with the standards and intent of the City of Northport Comprehensive Plan and failed to meet future land use goal one, objective three, policy 3.3, policy 4.1.2, and objective 13.3.2. One small correction, if I may, it's policy, policy 4.12. Thank you. I heard an extra point in there, and I just want to make sure. Okay, so the motion has been stated, and it's a motion to deny. And that motion fails two to three. What do we want to do? Okay. Commissioner Amish, how long do you need? 
Mayor. We, we have Mayor. to finish up this motion. We have to finish up the order of business before we can take another break. The motion failed. I, I did say that. I'll make a motion. Do, you have to state who 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 didn't who voted against it and give them an opportunity right. to speak for their reasons. Okay, uh, Commissioner Emmerich. No, he voted. For no, that's right. I'm sorry. The three of us. The opposite. That's right. Uh, Commissioner uh, Vice Mayor Stokes. Reasons stated. Commissioner Lyndon. Uh, reasons stated. Uh, yes, I'll say the same thing. I've already said that in my comments. I'm not going to belabor the point. All right. I'd like to make a motion. I'm on the right one here. I move to approve ordinance number 2023-25 and find that based on competent substantial evidence, the amendment is consistent consistent with the standards and intent of the city of Northport's comprehensive plan and Florida statutes. Second. All right, we have a motion on um, the floor to approve. And can we have that rewrite? To approve ordinance number 2023-25 and find that based on competent and substantial evidence, the amendment is consistent with the standards and intent of the City of Northport Comprehensive Plan and Florida Statutes. Okay, that motion was made by Vice Mayor and seconded by Commissioner Langdon. Do I have that? Thank you. All right, anything else? Then we'll vote. And that passes three to two. Uh, Commissioner McDowell, did you want to comment? Yep, we just violated our comp plan. That's the end of it. We violated our comp plan. And Commissioner Emmerich? I'm writing my phone. Okay. All right, I think we're done with this. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, that I kind of stumbled on, on the very end there. Um, and we're going to take a short break. What time do you want us back, Mayor? Well, I don't know. Is five minutes enough or no? <laughs> yeah, I know. How about, how about 10? What do you want? 10? Okay, 10 minutes. Program to inspect and replace old corroding a lot in beach erosion along the beaches and the homes inland. However, the storm surge can also push water up the river. So it could push storm surge up the Mayaka River, for instance, from the Gulf. And then the water coming downstream from the river has nowhere to go. So that can cause water to back up along the rivers and cause flooding. That, along with a lot of rain that comes from these hurricanes, can also cause an increase of water flooding into the rivers and into our water management systems, causing flooding as well. Public Works does a lot of work before the storm to make sure that our water levels are as low as possible so we can handle additional storm surge and flooding in our water systems. If you want additional information about that, we have a great video about our water control structures and you can visit the Public Works website.
Hello everyone, my name is Devon Poulis. I'm the Aquatics Manager within our Parks and Recreation Department. We're here today at the Northport Aquatic Center just to talk to everyone about our Float for Life program. We recognize that nationally, unintentional drowning is the leading cause of death for children that are under the age of four. So we have an awesome program here called Float for Life. Float for Life is a program that we teach that starts with the fundamentals of floating before we actually learn swimming. This program is targeted for those children that ages six months to four, and what we want them to do is we want them to get comfortable in the water, and if they accidentally fall in the water or find themselves in a trouble situation, they can roll over their back and float. When we launched this program, uh, we were the only one in the state that was actually teaching this milestone program. So we want to give a shout out to our Northport Rotary as well, who sponsored this program here at the Aquatic Center and actually paid for a trainer to come in all the way from Nebraska where this program originates there. We practice and we go through what's called milestones here. So as soon as the kids progress through the milestones, we can continue moving on through them. And at the end of it, it's a pretty awesome program when they graduate. It's one of the final things that they do is they jump in fully clothed and they have to turn over, roll over on their back, and actually be able to scream for help at that point in time. It's just an awesome segment program that leads right into our Learn to Swim program. So that way we can make sure we're keeping our kids safe in, on, and around the water. Frank Lamas, Always Manager. I am here today with Mario Venditti. Mario, tell people here how long you've been doing this job. I've been here five years. Five years, excellent, excellent. Yep. So, Mario, tell people what it entails, what you do. I'm a planner scheduler for the Solid Waste of the City, and um, I go around and I, I greet the new residents and I educate them on the recycle. Excellent, sounds interesting, very good. Yep. So Mario, what do you find inside the recycling bins that shouldn't be there? So let's try to tell the people how to recycle right. Well, the most common thing I find, Frank, is plastic bags. Okay. So the plastic bags are not recyclable. I find them just tossed in the container or they bag the recycle with them. Right, and, and they should. this is inside the blue lid container. That's right? right, inside the blue lid containers. Correct. And they should be either taken back to the grocery store or tossed in the trash. Very good. Do you see a lot of recycling inside the containers? Uh, I do, bags? yes. Oh. I come across a lot of them. Okay, let's uh, get back to our seats and we're going to resume our meeting. With item C, ordinance number 2023-26. This is a quasi-judicial hearing. City Clerk, can you read by title only? Ordinance number 2023-26, an ordinance of the City of Northport, Florida, rezoning approximately 55.02 acres located east of Toledo Blade Boulevard, approximately one mile north of I-75 in Section 6, Township 39 South, Range 22 East of Sarasota County, as described in instrument number 202-304-2804 in official records of Sarasota County from no zoning designation district, NZD, classification to industrial light warehousing district, ILW, district classification. Amending the official zoning map, providing for findings, providing for filing of approved documents, providing for conflicts, providing for severability, and providing an effective <coughs> Can everyone wishing to provide testimony please stand and raise your right hand? Thank you. 
Do you swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to provide is true and accurate to the best of your knowledge? So help you that. Thank you. All right, thank you. Now, a disclosure of disclosure of ex parte communications. Commissioner McDowell? I have none for this item, Mayor. And none for me, Mayor. That was Commissioner Langdon. Uh, I have none. I Vice have Mayor? None. I have none. Nothing? Commissioner Emmerich? No, ma'am, nothing. Okay. City Clerk, aggrieved parties, do we have any? Yes, we have Craig Beal, Pamela Tofars, on behalf of Martin Moore, and Carolyn Price. I'm sorry, who was after Pamela Tokar? Oh, there wasn't somebody else? Okay. Okay. All right. We'll start with presentation <coughs> by the, yes, by the applicant. 20 minutes. Uh, good evening, uh, Madam Mayor, members of the commission. For the record, Jeffrey Boone of the Boone Law Firm representing the applicant. Uh, we are here on the uh, rezoning application, um, and uh, as everyone will remember from first reading, we are only rezoning here the ILW. Um, the prior hearing we just had where we talked about the entire property uh, for the future land use map, uh, this rezoning is just for the ILW or the light industrial uh, acreage uh, that, that you heard all about in the last, last public hearing. Um, uh, we're here, uh, as you know, following approval on first reading. Um, uh, not, nothing has changed uh, since first reading, except we have a, had a pre-app uh, for uh, the, the DMP uh, for the uh, industri industrial area. And I think, as you heard, it's an 830,000 square foot uh, overall development uh, in, in phases, with the first phase being 360,000 square feet. Um, we've made our presentation at the first reading. Uh, we believe that uh, there was adequate, competent, substantial evidence submitted through that presentation covering all the various various issues, all the various matters. Uh, so we will not make our presentation again. I know you all are pleased to hear that. And uh, But we do have our full team here if at any point uh, anyone would have uh, any questions. And with that much said, we would respectfully request your approval on second and final reading. And uh, if anybody has any questions, we can answer them now or later. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Staff, presentation. Good evening, Mayor, Vice Mayor, Commission. For the record, James White with the law firm of Weiss Road to help him representing staff. I have been sworn. <laughs> Uh, staff uh, doesn't have any additional presentation for you this evening. Um, a full comprehensive presentation was made on first reading. Uh, nothing's changed. Staff's position is that the proposed rezoning uh, is consistent with the comprehensive plan um, and should be approved and respectfully request that the commission consider and approve the proposed rezoning. Uh, as it is consistent with the proposed comprehensive plan. If you have any questions, staff is here to answer any questions for you. <laughs> All right, thank you. All right, aggrieved parties. Um, Mr. Beal, did you want to go first? My name is Craig Beal, and I have been sworn. So uh, obviously, we've hit this thing pretty hard tonight. Um, 
Again, I go back to environmental impacts. Still hasn't been answered how you're going to do it. Mitigation bank, wetlands on site. So I would like to see some numbers. You got 55 <coughs> acres and 45% of it is wetlands. How are you going to do that? How are you going to put 830,000 square feet of impervious surface plus additional parking plus stormwater storage? Again, you guys don't give us anything. How can you vote on something that you don't know about? But, you know, we're beating a dead horse here. It's apparently that parts of the city commission want this. So since this came from the first reading, have you driven down Toledo Blade? You see all the trees missing? That's industrial warehouses going up. Are you aware of that? So you have a, a lot of property. You have a lot of open property. I built STC. I developed that whole thing. We bought half of it from a bank. It's sitting there <coughs> pad ready. Water, sewer, power, gas for anybody to build something in there. It's still sitting there. So I don't know what to tell you. Why you come out into a road that goes nowhere, and it goes nowhere, and it will always go nowhere. This doesn't make sense. This is not, this is so out of character for the area to stick a warehouse where it's at. If it was on the other side of the interstate, I'd go with you on it because that was planned. This is not planned. This is being forced. So you got to do what you got to do. You obviously made a decision. You're looking at dollar signs, and that's all you're looking at. But this is an environmental nightmare. And Swift Mud saw it, and Swift Mud kicked it back to those guys. Don't think they didn't, because there's a 21-page document. I just gave you the first four pages. Go read it. Just read what they said on the first four pages before you vote on this tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Is uh, Ms. Tokar still? Oh, yes, you are. Hi, Pam Tokars, and I have been sworn. I'm here representing Mr. Martin Moore, who lives directly across the street. I didn't think I had my numbers here, but I guess I do. Uh, during the last um, hearing, Attorney Boone had stated something about the fact that the um, 55 acres, and I just want to clarify that. This hearing is for 55 acres to rezone to industrial. And I make that point for a reason. Um, he had stated of that 55 acres, one third was going to be developed and two thirds was going to remain the same. And that two, -third, well, two thirds was going to include the buffering, stormwater uh, retention, trees, shrubs, and open green space. Well, when you take um, the uh, remaining thirds, or the I think believe he quoted 0.37 uh, floor area ratio where the building will be. Well, when you look at that, uh, I don't know how 900,000 square feet was going to fit into that. So I think uh, one third of that, it's only like 18 to 20 acres that they're going to have available to use. And my next part is I gave you guys a printout. It's an Excel spreadsheet. And what this is, and the, they all have this too, this is, this is the staff's um, responses. It's the uh, response to the staff's future land use goal element four. Oh, future land use element goal four. And in that, 
The staff's finding says this petition consists of the 55 acres dedicated to industrial uses. The complete project consists of both the 55 acres and the 262 acres for residential. In whole, the project is providing a complete mixed-use development. The proposed residential portion of this parcel is not included in the petition, covers the 262 acres, and will provide a range of residential uses for multifamily townhomes and single families. Again, this is for the 55 acres industrial only. When you're trying to substantiate if this project meets goal number four, those 262 acres need to be pulled out and this project for 55 acres needs to stand on its own and answer these questions to see if it does meet that goal. And then you're gonna flip over to the next page where it says future land use element policy 4.2. It's the same thing. It says the complete development will consist of 55 acres for industrial and 262 for the residential multifamily. Overall site plan submitted with a CPEL petition shows a street network that will be required to provide sidewalks. The proposed development includes multimodal paths for other transportation connections. That's in the residential area. It's not part of the industrial 55 acres. Down to future land use element policy 4.13. Staff findings as mentioned previously, the complete development will provide a park and public space. The proposed Toledo Blade 320 development will include multimodal paths internal to the development. That has to get removed. It's gotta be the 55 acres for industrial only to meet this portion. And that's all I have. Thank you. Um, Carolyn Price, was that the next one? Don, okay. All right, now we're moving to rebuttals by the applicant. You have five minutes. Uh, again, for the record, Jeffrey Boone, attorney for uh, the applicant. Uh, very briefly in rebuttal, um, uh, the issues that uh, were raised about uh, uh, the environmental, the environmental issues will all be addressed through the, through the DMP process, and moreover, both Northport and SwiftMud, and perhaps other agencies, but at least Northport and SwiftMud are involved in environmental permitting, and no development will be able to occur without those permits being issued. So there's uh, there's both the DMP process and the separate environmental permitting process that will have to be uh, undertaken. Again, all of these issues are addressed at the DMP stage. Um, the uh, the 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 point about my testimony at first reading, I think there's a little bit of confusion there. What I had said was that uh, the FAR, the floor area ratio here, will be uh, 0.37 FAR, which equates to a third of the property would be developed and two thirds wouldn't. But the way that floor area ratio works, it's not like you take a piece of property and draw a line and say, say all the development's gonna be in this one third and the other is gonna, nothing will be in the two thirds. It means that across the entire property, only one third of the property would actually be covered by a building. That's, that's the floor area ratio issue. And, and again, um, the location of the buildings uh, and all of those other kind of issues are, all, are also all part of the DMP 
DMP process. Uh, that's really all the rebuttal uh, we have. Thank you very much. Thank you. Staff, rebuttal. Lori Barnes, Assistant Director of Development Services, and I've been sworn we have no rebuttal. All right, thank you. All right, aggrieved parties. This is your time for rebuttal, starting with Mr. Beal. Craig Beal and I've been sworn. So you have no plan. We don't know what you're doing, but we're approving something. I just go back to what I do in construction with blueprints and stuff. It's it's not written on a bar napkin. It's not hypothetical. So you got a lot of wetlands out there. You haven't told us how you're going to remedy that. What What's it going to take? But you want to go to the next step, but you haven't given anybody any answers. And I understand you're going to go through the process, and I've been through the process, I've seen it, and I just I don't see you getting over the hurdle. I've been told that the mitigation banks you have to mitigate on site. I can't tell you the engineer that told me that, but he told me that the other day. So who who can define this stuff? City staff, you got any answers for us? Because you've been working on this a long time and you never addressed it. So I don't know what to tell y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Tokers. Hi, <coughs> Pam Tokers, and I have been sworn. Uh, my rebuttal is in response to the uh, area for the development. Attorney Boone st stated that that one third doesn't have to be clustered into one area. But if you go back to that wetland map that uh, Mr. Beal had showed you, that uh, one big wetland that's down towards the southern, southeastern part of the, um, the project is going to be where they have the driveway come in. And then I guess up north more is where gonna the, um, the uh, tractor trailer is going to come in. So that little skinny piece that's on Toledo Blade from where Tropic Care is um, almost uh, halfway up in the area is not really going to be, I don't know how big the, you know, that area measures, but there's for the traffic to come in and the tractor trailer traffic to come in and you're going to have to have parking lots. It doesn't seem to be a lot of space for a building right in that area. So it doesn't look like everything is going to be up in that northeast or northern part of the um the property closer towards the preserve. And that's all I have. All right, thank you. <clears throat> all right, now we're moving to public comment. City Clerk, is there any public comment? Jane Wolston. Susan Balmer. All right, please restate your name. I'm Susan Balmer, and I have been sworn. Um, my comments are personal. 
um, after listening tonight and being at the other meetings concerning this. I really feel like their map that they presented to you is a farce because they cannot ensure that this is what's going to be developed. Um, and I'm not talking about the whole thing. I'm talking about just the um, indust light industrial part. They're deceiving you because we've heard some of this land has already been sold to other um, developers. They are already um, light industrial tenants or other owners that are planned in this area. So how do we know what they're going to do? Um, it, it is the land that is wrong for this. Anything on this <clears throat> land impacts us. Transportation, all the traffic, the types of vehicles, on our roads. You're talking about semi-trailer tra uh, trucks going up to a dead end. The noise, the appearance. I know some of you live in um, in areas that you know have very strict rules and you can't maybe see what the impact of this is going to be, but we can. Um, the applicant could be selling this area. If they can, can we be sure about what they are preventing, uh, what they are presenting here? Um, if you go to the DMP stage, which is what Mr. Boone keeps saying, um, with the zoning, and we've, um, if you end up denying this, um, presentation, what they want to build here, what are you opening the land up to? What can the Live Local Act take over? If you rezone this, what is, are going to be the repercussions? Um, please consider what this is going to do to us and try to see why we are so um, impassionate about it. Thank you. Linda Riley. Kevin Riley. Jennifer Nicole. That's all, Mary. All right. Thank you. All right. Uh, now we're ready for commission questions. Commissioner Emrich, you're up. Yeah, this is for staff. <clears throat> A lot's been said tonight about, you know, as we go forward into the DMP process. And it would still come back to the board, and then we would have our time to go ahead and critique this, that, and the other. My question is, though, once it comes back under the DMP process, if everything that they present is by right, by the way that this is zoned, then we have no choice in that matter, because they are entitled to it 
by right. So they could have all their everything all polished up and come in and not ask for a waiver, not ask for special exceptions. And we got to accept it. So this is our last chance to be able to not go forward with this and put a lot of, I, I don't have any trust in the DMP process at this point. So my question, I just, you <laughs> nodded, I mean, but I just wanted to make sure that I was correct on that assumption. So a development master plan that's presented that meets code 100%, if it's denied, um, could the, the simple fact that it meets the code 100% could be the basis for a challenge. So yes, that is true. Um, to the second part of your question, um, <clears throat> if the ILW zoning designation is not applied to this property, the property remains with no zoning designation and the only implementing zoning designation for industrial future land use under our current regulations is ILW. Okay. That's all I had. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. Commissioner McDowell. Well, Commissioner Emmerich, you beat me to the punch. Good job, because <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, we approve this rezone. We... We are not rezoning it to light industrial based on future um, zoning discussions for the ULDC rewrite. We are approving ILW that is in the current ULDC. And there's been a lot of discussion about how everything will be kept indoors. You won't hear sound, you won't hear, you won't hear smells, everything will be kept indoors. Well, I hate to tell you, but the code that allows by right ILW development allows outdoor storage, allows repair establishments of automobiles, mobile homes, uh, wrecking yards, um, vehicle carts and accessories. I'm sorry, not wrecking yards. I apologize. Heavy machinery and equipment. Um, there, there is a long list of things that are highly intrusive that would be allowed if we approve this zoning um, designation. Not to mention, the minute we approve ILW, it opens this property up for Live Local Act, which is now more residential in that area because we, we are approving ILW. Um, I, I cannot approve this because our code allows us to deny. Our code allows us to deny if one or more of the 15 listed reasons have not been met. <clears throat> we have heard evidence about wetlands, or actually lack of evidence about the wetlands and how it will impact the neighboring, the neighborhoods. We, we, one of the reasons is traffic. We haven't heard anything about traffic. So how can we approve this? Um, Commissioner McDowell, I'm getting did to, you have any questions? I thought we were doing comments. No, we're on questions. I apologize. I thought we were, I apologize. So I, he really. Okay. Thank you. I thought we were on comments. All right. Um, 
Okay, closing arguments. Aggrieved party? Yeah, it's, it's first on here. My name is Craig Beal, and I've been sworn. I'm going to jump on Debbie's bandwagon. So if this screws up, we're wide open. Game on for anything that's allowed. So I hope you guys know what you're doing, because I don't see the big benefit of having that small block of ILW out there when there's other areas in the city that are prone to it. I mean, you've got... You know, where MTI equipment is, all that stuff that burned up there, it's all wide open. And it's on a busy thoroughfare already, not a dead-end corridor. So it's, you know, it's all on you guys. All on you. Hi, Pam Tokars, and I have been sworn. Uh, this commission just approved a multifamily housing project a couple weeks ago off of Sumter. That area was zoned uh, office use only. And that was a chance for the commissioners to keep jobs in the city and give us an area where we could go. And you kind of blew that one by bringing in multifamily housing and allowing them to put, uh, what was it, five acres or one acre, I don't think it was two acres of um, office space in there. So now, to me, you're going to approve this industrial here. It's almost like you're picking and choosing. So even though that was going to bring jobs to the area and it would have brought higher paying jobs to the area as opposed to industrial jobs, because you know, when they bring it, they've already got these people already in here. There's going to be national companies, and they bring their management in because those management know the system. So all the good-paying jobs are going to be done by people that are already out of state. So now the they, um, jobs left over for the people in the city of Northport will be the lower factory B workers. So with that being said, I also ask you to consider that this comprehensive plan that I did go over it, those that uh, residential area needs to be removed so that the industrial can stand and meet it. Because right now, I don't see the industrial portion meeting the comprehensive plan amendments in order to approve this. Thank you. Thank you. Do we have one more? That's it. That's it. Okay. Thank you. Staff, closing arguments? Lori Barnes, Assistant Director, Development Services. Um, as I mentioned previously, um, ILW zoning is the only implementing zoning district for industrial future land use. Um, industrial light is defined in the Unified Land Development Code as any industrial use that stores all needed materials outside of public view and does not create and emit fumes, gases, smokes, vibrations, noise, and other factors regarded as nuisances or resulting in adverse effects for adjacent landowners. So while outdoor storage is permitted in ILW, we have other regulations in the code that require that to be uh, fenced and buffered. <coughs> um, finally, I wanted to mention, um, as it didn't come up, 
previously as under the state of Florida Right to Farm Act, the city is extremely limited on its ability to regulate agricultural uses. And with those agricultural uses, they can be intensive and they can have detrimental impacts beyond the property. Um, wherein the city, regardless of our unified de land development code provisions and prohibited uses in agriculture, would not be able to prohibit. So I think that with the industrial, with the light industrial uses here, the city will have an opportunity to, um, through the site development review and the development master plan, um, minimize and mitigate impacts for any future development on the site. Uh, staff uh, does find that this um, rezone is consistent with a comprehensive plan, the Unified Land Development Code, and we respectfully request approval. Thank you. And the applicant. Closing arguments. Thank you, Madam Mayor, uh, Commissioners. Uh, Jeff Boone, attorney for uh, the applicant. Um, in uh, closing argument or summary, again, we have no argument with staff. Uh, they're recommending approval. Um, we had a lot of testimony uh, and evidence in the prior uh, comprehensive plan amendment hearing that really had to do with zoning, didn't have to do with the comp plan. And we intentionally did not repeat it uh, because you've already heard it. But I would like, therefore, to request that all the testimony and evidence from the comp plan amendment public hearing that immediately preceded this one would be made part of the record of this proceeding. Um, commissioners, it's, uh, it's comp there's competent substantial evidence in the record, both from the first reading and our presentation and tonight, uh, that the proposed rezoning is consistent with the city's comprehensive plan. Uh, ILW is an implementing zoning district within the city's comprehensive plan. The proposed rezoning is consistent with the city's unified land development code. I've already mentioned staff recommended approval. The issues that you've heard raised uh, other than our testimony and evidence tonight, uh, environmental permitting issues and um, and uh, other <coughs> issues, they are all DMP issues that will be resolved at the DMP stage. And um, you all have the discretion and the authority to decide whether a DMP meets the city's criteria or not. You make that decision. Staff makes a recommendation, but you make the decision. So it's not as if you're powerless when a DMP gets submitted to you. In fact, that's that's a, a twisting, I think, of, of, uh, of, of how the process works. Um, this proposal is consistent with the city's vision <clears throat> for this area of the city. Uh, Toledo Blade is going to be a four-lane uh, interstate interchange uh, road. Um, this particular site is close to an interstate interchange. It's well-suited for the, IL, the, the light industrial uh, zoning. <clears throat> um, the city as you all know, has received $1.7 million plus some other funds to extend utilities to this area to generate jobs. Uh, this, this is a first step in that uh, direction, or one of the first steps, I guess we should say, in that direction. Um, uh, I heard some testimony about traffic. Uh, so at the, first, uh, at the first reading, our traffic consultant, uh, Mr. Lund, who's here, testified in response to some questions about traffic. Now, whether that was in the comp plan or the rezoning, I, I don't want to tell you, I remember for sure, but traffic was addressed uh, even to the point of questions being asked uh, at, at the first reading. Um, 
And uh, again, with, with that with that much with that much said, um, uh, I guess I want to talk about live local. That's that's become sort of the fallback everywhere we go now. Is people talk about what could happen under live local. So there is a you heard during the comp plan hearing there has been a pre-app for DMP for this property that's that's sought to be rezoned here. And that pre-app for the DMP is not for residential. It is indeed for industrial, light industrial. So we would respectfully uh, request uh, your approval. We'd be happy to answer any questions you may have. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Commissioner um, Langdon? Yes, I just wanted to let you Got know that when you're public. ready for a motion, okay. I'm ready. I didn't know if you wanted to Got say close something. The public yep. All right. So I'm going to close the public hearing and request a motion. Okay, um, I move to approve ordinance number 2023-26 and find that based on the competent substantial evidence, the rezoning will not adversely affect the public interest, health, safety, and general welfare, and that the specific requirements in the City of Northport Comprehensive Plan and the standards listed in sections 1-33E, parentheses 1, of the Unified Land Development Code have been met. Second. Okay, we have a motion on the table made by Commissioner Langdon to approve ordinance number 2023-26 and find that based on competent substantial evidence, the rezoning will not adversely affect the public interest, health, safety, and general welfare, and that the specific requirements in the City of Northport Comprehensive plan and the standards listed in section 1-33E1 of the Unified Land Development Code have been met and we have a second by the Vice Mayor. Do we have anything else? Nothing from me. I don't, I don't see anything here, so let's just, oh. And that passes three to two with Commissioners McDowell and Emmerich dissenting. Do, uh, Commissioner Emmerich, do, do you want to comment on that? Thank you. Commissioner McDowell? Yeah, this is not conducive for this neighborhood. The wetlands have not been addressed. Traffic had not been addressed. Um, there's much more. Okay. All right, we are. Madam Mayor. Yes, right. Are you looking trying to figure out where we're at in here? <laughs> yes, we... because we would be on D, but now that was that was moved we're to the end. No, we're we're what? Where are we? Before you do that, or yeah. wherever you land, um, due to the late hour of the evening, mm -hmm. may I suggest that we continue three items to the next meeting on December the twelfth. One is the ordinance, and by recommendation of the city attorney, uh, we should open that item and take a vote on that item to move it, and the resolutions can be done as a group together. So it's one ordinance and two, two resolutions. What about the rest? We would do the, the rest of them either are time sensitive or fairly mm -hmm. straightforward based on how you decided on them the first time that you read them. You're welcome. Okay, so are you talking about a D ordinance? That no. no, the ordinance I'm talking about continuing is 6F, 
ordinance um, 2023-33. Right. So do we have to do a motion on that separately from any others? Yes, ma'am. You'd have to open up that item, take a vote on it, and then continue. To continue it. Am I saying it right? Considering? Uh, yes, City Manager, Manager Fletcher, you are saying that right. We're, we're trying to figure out a way to, to, to simplify the recommendation because you do still have, the commission does still need to go in order of the agenda as approved right. earlier in the meeting. So I think what the manager is suggesting is that for the next item, if I have this right, ordinance 2023-29 regarding the commission's meeting schedule, I think his recommendation is that you all consider that uh, and then go to ordinance 2023-30 related to a code amendment and then following that, I guess we'd be at six. But I thought we moved yeah, D we to moved the D to end the of end. the meeting. Yeah, we did. We moved D to the right. end. That's why. We, so I didn't have it right. right. Sorry. We moved stuff around, no. so it's all. But whatever order, whatever the correct order is, he's saying to make sure that we maintain that and then address these items as we're going to continue them as we get to them. Okay. So. And, and the, the key from a legal standpoint is for the ordinance, we've got to open it up. Uh, if you want to continue it, have a right. motion to continue it to a specific date and close it out. For other items that you guys want to continue, you can do that as a group. You could simply say, hey, for items you know, one, two, and three, we want to move those to a later meeting, or we want to move those to a specific later meeting. Okay, so the next thing on the agenda, because we move things around, is actually item E, Ordinance 2023-30. Do I have that correct? Correct. We want to discuss that one. And we do want it to it's, do that one. That's okay. a financial implications. That's right. Okay, so... Um, we're moving to E, ordinance number 2023-30. City Clerk, can you read by title only? Ordinance number 2023-30, an ordinance of the City of Northport, Florida, authorizing a reasonable return on equity from the ownership and operation of the city's utility system, amending the code of the City of Northport, Florida, section 78-22, providing for findings, providing for conflicts, providing for severability, providing for codification, and providing an effective date. Okay, City Manager Fletcher, this is your item. Thank you, Madam Mayor. So for this item at, its, at your regular meeting on November 14th, uh, the commission heard ordinance number 2023-30 and you continued it to a second reading as presented. So we would ask that you uh, adopt this ordinance as presented today. We're here to answer any questions you may have. Okay, so opening up to questions, anybody have questions? I'm not seeing anything. Okay. Is there any public comment? Okay, I'm going to close this public hearing and I request a motion. Make a motion. Go move ahead. To, I move to adopt. Uh, I have the right one. Where am I here? I move to adopt ordinance number 2023-30 as presented. Second. Second. <laughs> okay, come on. Okay. So we do have a motion by the vice mayor to adopt ordinance number 2023-30 as presented and seconded by Commissioner Emrich. Any discussion? Nothing further. Let's vote. And that passes four to one um, with... Mr. McDowell, dissenting reason? Nope. Okay. All right. Moving 
on. I think we were going to go to J. Do I have that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Which is resolution number 2023 R78. Do we want to move this to? No, no, we want to keep this. We do want to keep. Oh, this. Yes, okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, City Clerk, can you read this by title only? Resolution number 2023-R-78, a resolution of the City Commission of the City of Northport, Florida, adopting a payment in lieu of taxes charged in addition to the water-based facility charge, water consumption charge, and bulk water charge, providing for incorporation of recitals, providing for adoption of payment in lieu of taxes, providing for exclusions to payment in lieu of taxes, providing for conflicts, providing for severability, and providing an effective date. All right, thank you. City Manager Fletcher, this is your item. Thank you, Madam Mayor. So this payment in lieu of taxes was presented as part of our recommended budget. Um, <coughs> these are not uncommon around the country and the state of Florida. 5% increase to water only was delayed into December in order to give proper notification to customers and to establish the associated rate resolution. Um, the resolution number 2023-R78 has been reviewed by the attorney and is legal to form and we ask that you approve it today. Okay. Uh, Commissioner, questions? Commissioner Langdon. Uh, thank you, Madam Mayor. I do have a couple of questions. Um, how will, well, let me back up. Is this 5% already assumed in our 2024 budget? Yes. <laughs> and related, how will it be used? Where will the money go? And how will it be used? Sure. Nancy Gallinero, Utilities Director. And this money will go directly into the general fund and will be used accordingly, and it is already in the budget. Thank you. That's it for me. That's it for you. Okay, Commissioner McDowell. Yeah, I have, I have uh, concerns with the seventh whereas clause. It says the commission finds it necessary for the utility department to make tax equivalent payments for services received by the city, including police and fire department services. So I asked, what, what does that mean? And basically is exactly the way it's written, that it's to kind of pay for police and fire services. Is that correct? Uh, it's my understanding that it will go into the general fund to be distributed accordingly, not specifically for, just specifically for those items, including those items. Well, it's right. if, I, if I may elaborate on that, it's not, it's not necessarily going specifically into those, those line items, um, but because the utilities department receives police and fire protection services from the city, but doesn't pay any ad valorem taxes to underwrite the cost of those services, they're allowed, they'd be allowed through this program to make a payment to the city to cover those costs. That doesn't mean that they, I mean, they go into the general fund, like the director is saying. And that's all well and good, but the police department is in the general fund. And the utilities department already pays, um, pays for services General fund services, I forgot what it's called. Um, it's called, the account is 4970, current charges payment to general fund. And in fiscal year 24, it's paying 2.4 million and that's not including this 5%. Correct. 
So, it's an increase. Correct. So so we're already you're already paying general fund for police service. Correct? There's no ad valorem taxes right. for police. We pay um, we pay funds for every city service. Right. And so this is additional money to go into city services. So But to specifically say police when police is already covered in general fund that you do not collect ad valorem taxes on. Nobody collects ad valorem taxes for police because it's all lumped together in general mm -hmm. fund. Um, I understand, Commissioner. I would have to defer to legal for the writing of that. Yeah, sure. So. The, the whereas clause is not exhaustive. It says, comma, including for police and fire department services. It doesn't state that it's only for those services. This is language that was provided by our special counsel whose practice focuses on fees and assessments. Um, and I, I can't answer it in more detail than that. We'd have to go back and get a more detailed answer if that's what the board needed to take action on this item. I anticipate that because of the specificity of the language, it probably was inspired by case law. But I, I cannot say that for sure. So fire protection services, um, that is fire is district. So does solid waste or road and drainage pay into the fire district? So if I may add Kim Kim Will and I know funds, the answer is no. If if I may add to the what you're thinking of the administrative cost allocation, that is for administrative services. So what the districts pay for is um, HR. Um, finance, legal the services like that. It's not that they're paying for police services with the administrative cost allocation. So that, that cost allocation is for actual administrative services, those departments, those functions that are the administrative services, and they're split out by budget dollars. I just, I just, I can't agree to this. The way that this whereas clause is and the whole general purpose is, we're already, the utilities department is already contributing $2.4 million to general fund for those services you outlined. And now this additional 5% for police and fire protection services because it's at, we can't collect ad valorem taxes for that. We don't collect ad valorem taxes for other exempt property. We don't collect these for solid waste or public works or road and drainage. I, I, this is horrible that the utilities department is being considered as kind of like a golden goose to help fund general fund. And our residents and customers already pay into general fund through ad valorem taxes. It's kind of like double dipping. And I, I, I have a serious problem with that. That's all. Okay, thank you. I don't see any other commissioner questions. Do we have any public comment? No. So I'm going to close this public hearing and request a motion. Make a motion. Go ahead. I move to adopt resolution number 2023-R-78 as presented. Second. All right, we have a motion made by Vice Mayor to adopt resolution number 2023 R78 as presented and seconded by Commissioner Langdon. If there's nothing else, let's vote.
Holy cow, twice in one night. And that is three to two. Uh, Commissioner McDowell, reason stated. Oh, I dissented because our utilities customers already pay ad valorem taxes for city services. They don't need to pay it twice. Okay, Commissioner Emmerich. Yeah, I, I agree with Commissioner McDowell and I just don't believe now is the right time to add any more increases. I mean, we've done enough already on other utility bills. So that's where I'm at on that one. All right, thank you. Uh, I think if I have this right, we're going back we're going to F. Back Correct. To F. Okay. And that's an ordinance that we're going to, we'd like to see if we could continue that. If it's the will of the board to continue it in order to. So is that, we have to do it as a motion and see how it goes. Okay. So um, could I have a motion then to continue this to, I think, December 12th is our next meeting. Mayor, we do need to oh, open, no. the, open the item, which would... Um, Call on the city clerk to read it, yes, at least. And that's then, right. And then that's it. Then, and, then that's you all, all, and then you all can then talk we can about continuing to a date. Okay, thank you. All right, city clerk, can you read this by title only? Uh, an, ordinance, an ordinance of the city of Northport, Florida, prohibiting smoking at public parks, amending the code of the city of Northport, Florida, to create a new section 46-64, providing for findings, providing for conflicts, providing for severability, providing for codification, and providing an effective date. Okay, so manager, you're not going to introduce the item, are you? Or no, I'm going to see if we want to continue this. Okay, so um, if it's the will of the board to continue this to our December 12th meeting, then I'm looking for a motion to do so. I'll make a motion, ma'am. Okay. I'll make a motion to continue ordinance number 2023-33 to a date certain of December 12th. Thank you. Second. All right, so we have a uh, motion to move ordinance number 2023-33 to continue it to December, date certain of December 12th. That was made by Commissioner McDowell and seconded by, I'm sorry, Commissioner Langdon. Thank you. Already went out of my head. Anything else? Let's vote. And that passes five to zero for that continuance. Right, and then I have that we're going to G. Do I have that right? We moved, okay, and G is a resolution. All right, City Clerk, can you read this by title only? Resolution number 2023-R-45, a resolution of the City of Northport, Florida, adopting the 2023 revisions to the City of Northport, Florida Comprehensive Emergency Management Plan as the formal guide of the City of Northport's emergency management activities, incorporating recitals, providing for conflicts, providing for severability, and providing an effective date. All right, City Manager Fletcher, this is your item. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Uh, during the City Regular Commission meeting held on June 27th of this year, staff presented this resolution for your review and consideration, and at the conclusion of the discussion, a motion was made to direct City Manager to work with the City Attorney's Office in capturing discussion points, reviewing the 2023 and 2019 CMP plans and bringing back for further discussion and adoption. 
Uh, we have done that and we have presented this plan for your uh, approval. We're happy to answer any questions you might have. Okay, so yes, we're on to commission questions and I will, okay, Commissioner McDowell. Yeah, um, I, I have one question, but before <coughs> I get to it, if I may have some latitude, I want to thank staff. They did an amazing job, city attorney's office, in making all the changes that were done in the CMP. Um, I think that these revisions are going to make a much better document uh, going forward, and you guys are to be commended. You did a really, really good job. The only thing that's left is on the Exhibit A, which is the actual CEMP. It does not say like they usually do for exhibits, like Exhibit A to Resolution Number 2023-R45. That's missing on the actual exhibit. So it could be said, well, what's the exhibit? So um, I want to make sure that that has been that has been updated. Been updated. Yes, it has to add the exhibit A on the or the exhibit to resolution so and so as in the backup already because I, I believe checked so. it earlier. The very it last wasn't. item, I believe. When I looked at it, it said revised exhibit A. It did not say it on there. I just pulled it up, Commissioner. Okay. As long as it's on there, that's all that matters. Thank you. Great job, though. Thank you. Okay. Anyone else? Uh, public comment? All right. Thank you. So I'm closing this public hearing and requesting a motion. I'll make a motion, Madam Mayor. All right. I move to, oops, I move to adopt resolution number 20. 23-R-45 as presented. Second. All right, we have a motion to adopt resolution number 2023-R-45 as presented, made by Commissioner Langdon and seconded by Vice Mayor Stokes. If there's nothing else, let's vote. And that passes five to zero. All right, I think we're going. The next item is resolution, but I do we have to do these separately? No, there's two of them that you can do together as a group. And it's the it's the H, which is R82, and the following one, which is I, which is R74. All right, but they still have to be red? No. No. What about K? Uh, Can't we continue that one too? A. Yes. Why did I not? Okay. Oh, wait a minute. No, we cannot. Oh. Okay. I was asked not to continue that one. There's a time sensitivity there. Okay. With, um, is that one part? Yes, one part. Yes. I'll make a motion, Mayor. Go ahead. I'll make a motion to continue. Res What's the date? December 12th. I'll make a res uh, make a motion to continue resolution number two zero two three R eighty two and resolution number two zero two three R seventy four to a date certain of December twelfth for both items. Do I have a second? I'll second. All right, we have a, a motion on the floor to move resolution number twenty twenty three R eighty two and resolution number twenty twenty three R seventy four. 
to a date certain of December 12th. That was made by Commissioner McDowell and seconded by Commissioner Langdon. Anything further? Just one what? question before we vote. 2023R74 is suspending the Historical and Cultural Advisory Board. We're booting that to the 12th, yet we have a workshop regarding this subject. Is that an issue for anybody or for any of us? It is. It won't be an issue for what the discussion is at that workshop. Cool. That's all. Okay, then. Are you having a workshop on this? And that passes five to zero. All right. Um, right. Okay. Item K. We're all, oh, then we're doing okay. Okay. Last okay. One. okay. <laughs> Are we moving this or we're doing this? K and then D. Yeah. Okay. All right, um, so now we're up to resolution number 2023 R-85, and city clerk, can you read this by title only? Resolution number 2023 R-85, a resolution of the city commission of the city of Northport, Florida, approving a subordination of city utilities interests along the south side of Tamiami Trail in Welland Park for the Florida Department of Transportation for highway purposes providing for incorporation of recitals, providing for conflicts, providing for severability, and providing an effective date. All right, City Manager Fletcher, this is your item. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Uh, this agreement would allow the City of Newport Utility, Utility Department to construct, operate, maintain, improve, add to, upgrade, remove, and relocate facilities on within the FDOT right-of-way along the south side of Tamiami Trail and Welland Park. Uh, we ask that you approve this resolution number 2023-R85 as presented. We have to answer any questions you may have. All right. Let's see if we have any questions on this. I'm not seeing any. Any public comment? No, All right, so I'm going to close this portion of the public hearing and request a motion. Make a motion. Move to adopt resolution number 2023 R85 as presented. Second. Hey guys. I know. Okay. I, I have a motion on the floor by Vice Mayor Stokes to adopt resolution number 2023 R85 and second it to, I'll give it to Commissioner Langdon because she's right next to me. All right. If there's nothing else, we update. No, no, no. We have to vote. We have to vote. Oh. We have to vote on this. I'm saying there's nothing else about this. Let's vote. Another Jericho bill. And that passes five to zero. Now we have D that was moved. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, this is ordinance number 2023-29. City Clerk, can you read this by title only? Ordinance number 2023-29, an ordinance <laughs> of the City of Northport, Florida, establishing a schedule and location of City Commission regular meetings and workshops for the 2024 calendar year, providing for findings, providing for conflicts, providing for severability, and providing an effective date. All right, and City Clerk Faust, this is your item. Yes, this is just second reading of the approved 
or the recommended meetings and workshops for the 2024 calendar year. Nothing has changed from first reading to second reading, except for I'll the second block. Mayor, if there's no public comment. Anybody have any questions? Okay, go right ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, yes, public comment. There is none. Okay. I'll make uh, a motion to approve ordinance number 2023-29 as presented. Second. Okay, we have a motion to adopt ordinance 2023-29 as presented, made by Commissioner McDowell and seconded by Vice Mayor Stokes. Anything else? Let's vote. And that passes five to zero. I'm looking to see what I haven't highlighted yet. This is the very end, but we did. We have all the agenda items, correct? Yes. I want to make sure I didn't miss anything because we move stuff around. Okay. City Clerk, any other public comment? Okay. Did we want to do communications? Mr. Langdon? I think out of respect for the hour, I will delay my communications to our next meeting. All right. Commissioner McDowell? I, too, will wait until the next meeting. You guys are so kind. Vice Mayor Stokes? You, too, punt into the next meeting. Commissioner Emmert? I've got so much to say. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see. Okay. Um, city Manager? Oh, yes, ma'am. I have something to say. Um, First of all, I apologize on behalf of Jason Yarborough for the agenda for tonight. But you, you did. <laughs> I told you, Jason, in my agenda briefing, I was all over you. <laughs> you did a great job for your first regular meeting, and I promise they won't all be like this. Except for December 12th. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, is, that, is that it, City yes, Manager? Yes, ma'am. through. You. I just want to make sure. City Attorney? I echo that mayor way to hang in there. Thank you for a good evening. City clerk, anything? Okay, so it is 11.42 p.m. and I adjourn this meeting. I can't read it and I don't have to sign any. Okay, so if you have any questions, you can always look at our website, www.northportflorida.gov slash solid waste.